What's Your Reel is a podcast where we interview with industry-leading creatives about who they are, how they got there, and where they want to go. We invite you to join us on the journey as we roll their reel to learn about how these creatives are finding their way to success. Today, we are sitting down with my buddy Joe Lord. Hello, Joe. Hey, guys. Your mic's way too far away. That was on purpose because you're talking right now. (laughs) Okay, well, we're sitting down with Joe. Joe is a... I mean, graphic design, filmmaker, photographer, kind of everything. Yes. Yes. Um, apparently, and, and and your company name? My company name? Yeah. Um, so, well, now. <laughs> exactly. Well, now. I don't know what to call it. I thought yeah. it was Verily Say, and apparently it's not anymore. It's still legally Verily Say until uh, three months from now. So. Oh, okay. So, we'll call it Verily Say, but really it's going to become Revolution Youth. Um at some point or another. So anyway, thank you for doing this. I'm pumped. Um, I've wanted to see, you were one of the first names that came up whenever we were thinking about doing this. Um, I'm honored. I'm glad. Why was I one of the first names? That, because I'm easy? <laughs> <laughs> no, because you're accomplished. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, well, what's your definition of accomplished? Well, as a filmmaker, the fact that you grew up kind of in New York City and then... I, I'm still confused a little bit as to why you're in Vermont, but I, I'm happy to call you a Vermonter now yeah. um, because Vermont's awesome and our, we're only interviewing Vermonters, except we haven't really stuck to that either. All right. <clears throat> Can I kick off this for our... And for our, <laughs> uh, sick of this. Yep. <laughs> no, bef- before we get too deep into the weeds into what his business is, um, I just want to introduce or set the stage for the people who are listening and not watching on YouTube. Oh, yes. You know, we're, we're, let's see, what's today's date? It is June 17th. We're still kind of in the lockdown starting to open up from COVID, just small group kind of thing. So we're outside on the deck. It's about 85 degrees here in Vermont and we're sipping maple lattes because that's what we do. A little lemonade, <laughs> um, beautiful hot day sitting out here. So uh, if you're, if you're listening, in your earbuds you can just imagine you're joining us on the on this deck as we're chilling out and uh meeting somebody new so uh let's hear joe what what is it that you do okay uh so i do a lot of things uh but i don't do a lot of things very well so i usually (laughs) start by saying that um that if you're looking for my most qualified official title the money making machine part of what i do uh are motion graphics so that's what i'm um I would say world-class app. Um, But as far as what I love to do, uh, I've come from like a background in motion graphics for the last decade. Um, And now I've focused on just content creation in general. So I do photography, videography. I work a lot with other artists in collaboration um, like Cam. We've done a lot of work together. Um, And yeah, I just love creative direction and working with, um, with teams. Yeah, on really cool projects that matter. That's the biggest part. And so you you mentioned in the beginning, we talked about why you you weren't sure I, why I moved to Vermont. Um, well, New York City has everything, and it's incredible. And I lived there for five years. I actually grew up in Maine. Um, and you know, it's it's one of those places where if you, I don't know, it's it's beautiful and, and, and it's the best city in the world. Um, but when we were there, we decided, my wife and I decided that we needed a change, a change of pace. And, um, and so, yeah, we were looking for something that had, uh, 
you know, we could both pursue our passions. And in New York City, uh, we we sort of went there and used it. And uh, it left us both better off, for sure. Um, And a lot more experienced, a lot more connected. Um, But then when we moved here, uh, we were looking for a big change in our in our lives, you know, and uh, that's what we found. You grew up a New Englander. I did. You grew up in Maine. I'm born there. Born there, raised there. So at one point were you like, I want to be a motion graphics dude? When I was 12. <laughs> 12? Really? <laughs> First time I ever saw it, yeah. Yeah, um, so there was this dude named Matt Lucier, uh, in on this Christian ministry team thing that came to my church. I was like six uh, the first time I ever went to anything that they did and they came every year and he was the first person to introduce me to motion graphics. Um, they're, they were using transparency machines, uh, beforehand. And then they moved to the per- the first projector I'd ever seen in a church. Uh, and he made these background designs for the, the music. And I remember thinking that was really cool. And, uh, then when I was 12, I approached him and said, I wanted to be like him. Um, I wanted to be a drummer. I wanted to have long hair. I wanted to wear fluorescent um, pants and, uh, you know, live the Matt Lucier kind of life. And um, But the biggest thing was I wanted to be a motion graphic designer because that's what he did. And I thought it was he was the coolest person I'd ever met. And uh, But that's kind of how I got into it. And so, But it started with graphic design for sure. And that you had to have, like I had to have a foundation of design and and design principles and how the industry worked as a freelancer when I was, you know, 16. uh, I started, um, I had international clients when I was 16 as a freelancer, which is, uh, I look back and I had this, this little business called Mars Graphics (laughs) with a Z, of course. And, And yeah, I had, I was doing freelance motion graphics for dental companies in Mexico. I mean, we all start somewhere, you know? How do you you find clients like that? Yeah, like when you're 16. Well, back then it was like freelancer.com was the biggest thing, you know? (laughs) So I would just jump on that. And and I I thought it was so cool that I could make money doing what I thought was awesome. Like it was my hobby. And and so I started making some money and I was like, man, I'm all in. (laughs) So wait, what year was this? Well, I was born in 90, so it would have been 2006. Right on. You know what I was doing in 2006? Diapers? No. <laughs> no. I was actually moving here, believe it or not. Really? How um, old were you in 2006? I would have been seven. Seven years old? Yeah. What were you doing? Chilling. Thankfully, out of diapers at seven. <laughs> um, no, I don't know what I was doing. Um, anyway, that's cool. So yep. did you, I mean, did you start doing stuff for that church? No, um, but I did do some ministry stuff for sure. Um, our church in in um, Maine was was pretty small. We didn't get projectors forever. Um, and then when we did, uh, <laughs> have you ever been to a church that's but like very controlling and everything, and and uh, they don't want to innovate in anything because everything just kind of works the way it is. <laughs> have you ever <laughs> don't don't not, move that cable? <laughs> have you ever not been to a church like that? I have, believe it or not. Really? I, would I think Hillsong is pretty innovative. Oh, Hillsong's uh, innovative. Yeah, I'll yeah. give you that. <laughs> so Hillsong is the church that we went to in New York City and but even there, they had uh the, I joined their media team. I know we're getting way ahead if we're going to do this chronologically. I'm <laughs> okay. bouncing around. You can a few bounce decades around. here there. All right. Uh but I joined uh Hillsong's volunteer media team and uh, they didn't utilize 
me at all. They were like, uh, I made like a small group promo for them, and that was it. And it was awesome. <laughs> and and but they didn't really like know how to use motion graphics at the time. Now they're using it all the time. But like five years ago, four or five years ago, I really wanted to be serving in that capacity. And uh, yeah, they just didn't know. How, like they didn't have projects for me to do. So that was interesting. Hmm. Yeah, that is interesting. Well, anyway. Um, yeah, okay. <laughs> the Mexico thing was a little bit surprising. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. So we were back in yes. Maine. He was twelve. Got a gig by the time he was sixteen. Doing yeah, freelance graphic. Dude, did you guys ever heard of um, Sermon Spice? I don't think so. What's that? So, so about a decade ago, it was it was probably the biggest um, Christian media site online. And when I was seventeen, I think eighteen ish, um, I was making these motion loops behind the the worship lyrics at churches and uh and synagogues i guess i don't know <laughs> religious it's not just a christian church thing but uh so they sold uh all these motion loops and i made this one that i was so proud of at the time and i look back at it now and i literally laugh at it but uh it like it's ridiculous but I'm, it was called cyan cross and uh, I don't even know if I'm saying cyan or cayenne, right? Like, it's the color that's, yeah, like, I off think blue. It, I think it's cyan. <laughs> Anyways, I, I, I was convinced yeah. it was cyan. Yeah. Is it not? I, th I think it's cayenne, but... Or, no. Or Kian. It's cyan. <laughs> it's cyan. I almost cyan my color theory class, so I'm actually not the person to ask. <laughs> my color theory professor literally asked me if I was colorblind on one of my assignments. <laughs> nice. <laughs> nice. As a, as a graphic designer, that's a beautiful thing. Yeah, it didn't... Uh, that scarred me for life. But, um, yeah, so SermonSpice.com uh, lets you upload your videos, like stock footage, and then you could sell them and get 50% of it back. Um, and they had a platform. They had the audience. And I was like, yeah, I'm making these anyway. Might as well upload them. And... Uh, one, you get a check every month and back then they didn't have the statements online or anything like that so it was a surprise check and it was royalties <laughs> for different videos that I'd sell and so 17 years old I'm out mowing lawns and, and being homeschooled and whatever and I upload all my videos on our slow internet I think I went down to the library uploaded all of them <laughs> and uh, and one month I got a 54 cent check nice right? <laughs> yeah and then the next month I got a few dollars, but then four months later I got a check for 300 and some dollars. Oh. And I, I was like, all right, that's cool. And the next month and the next month and the next month, hundreds of dollars every month. And one video that, that cayenne, cyan cross background loop with these bubbly blurred, terrible <laughs> cells behind this ugly looking cross. that's way overglowing. It, it's like a star Warsy kind of cross. <laughs> Thousands of churches bought that video, and I literally went to a church one time randomly. My my family traveled a lot. We went to a lot of different churches. We could get into that. We don't have to, but uh, we went to this one church, and they had they were playing my video, and I had never been there before. Didn't know anybody there, but they had downloaded it from this website. Hmm. They were one of thousands who had paid, and so that year alone, I made. Almost three thousand dollars on one stupid looking video. Wow! <laughs> and, and that was when I determined in my mind that <laughs> it was between that or mowing lawns because that was my other side gig. And I'm like, I'm gonna do this. I really like it. Yeah. Yeah. Listen, kids. Yeah. That's not always how it works. That's <laughs> <laughs> true. That's not always. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, and this was, this is still when you were 16 ish. Yeah. Dang, dude. That's yeah. super cool. Um, you were in high school at the time. 
Did homeschooled you? high school, yeah. Oh, you were homeschooled? All the way through, baby. Wow. Seriously? All the way through. I never knew that. Yeah. What? The, I didn't put off those vibes? <laughs> <laughs> well, now that I think about it, no. <laughs> no, yeah, so. It all nice. Wow, that, that makes so much sense. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, right. Um, hey, I'm not the one with the long socks on today dude. and 85 degrees <laughs> okay Andy's wearing jeans first of <laughs> all alright but yeah, uh, you know farmer you well yeah I was gonna say farmer you're, you're going to hay after this yeah, right? that's right yeah. yeah so I guess you're you're dressed properly <laughs> um wow homeschooled okay well my yeah. question was gonna be if you took any like graphic design classes but I guess that conquers that do you think YouTube yeah so do I you mean, think homeschooling was a benefit oh my gosh yeah Absolutely. I wouldn't be where I'm at, like, at 29, um, semi-retired. <laughs> Don't tell my wife that. Uh, no, but I wouldn't be where I'm at if it hadn't been for that, 100%. My dad, so when I was eight years old, I was building computers um, because my dad would bring back, he worked at all these banks and technology places, um, and uh, he would bring back parts. And uh, I have five sisters, and so five sisters would be playing Barbies and dress ups and whatever. And I'd be building computers. And uh, it was my only outlet of being able to like be alone and do my own thing. And so I, my first computer was a Windows 95. Um, I don't even remember the specs, but I know that it didn't have more than 128 megabytes of, of RAM. Like, yeah, you could just stop at Windows 95. We know. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's nothing. Wow. It was, and, and actually, the very first one um, didn't even have an OS. It didn't even have 95. It was DOS. And my dad taught me like the basics of being able to use a computer and play games on it without an OS. So it had this like worm game on it and all this stuff. Anyway, I was such a nerd, but I totally loved it. And my dad, all the way through from eight years old, giving me those computer parts and helping me build stuff to 16, um, you know, helping me, um, you know, buy, he bought me my first graphic design software uh, that Matt had suggested that we buy. Uh, and, uh, and I started getting into that because of him. Um, you know, it, it was really my parents, you know, giving me... Um, just the tools that I needed here and there um, that would encourage me to, to really pursue it as a passion. But as, as far as homeschooling goes, literally th probably 30 to 40 hours a week, I was doing design. Wow. So it was really kid. a hobby that you it just was, It was everything onto. to me. Yeah. Yeah. My, my sisters were really into music. They still are. And they're, they're phenomenal. You put me in front of a keyboard or guitar, <laughs> I will embarrass myself very fast. <laughs> Um, and a microphone. I'm embarrassing myself very fast already. No, I'm you're sure. doing great. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> but uh, no, I was into the geeky stuff, you know. Wow. Yeah. So homeschooled, you were very you were a very motivated um, um, teenager. By the sounds of it, this was a, your passion. You totally gripped upon it. What was the biggest thing that really enabled you to make something of worth? That's a good question. Um, enabled me so for tools yeah it could be like a once you got this software all of a sudden you were off and rolling or once mm -hmm. you got its computer upgrade or yeah. once you met somebody uh, okay so I got my first version of Adobe After Effects when I was 18 and I don't even remember what it was long before the Creative Cloud I, it was it was seven versions in, I think. 
because I remember my my mentor that I saw once a year, Matt, had sort of set me on this motion graphics path, and uh, and every year I'd check in with him about the latest stuff and and whatever and geek out with him about it. And he said that he had been on the very first version of Photoshop and After Effects, and I just remember thinking that was ridiculous because that we were so far into it. Now we're literally. 15 versions later mm-hmm. um i actually uninstalled the latest version like two days ago because <laughs> it wouldn't render it was like having issues like why do we need a new version every month but um yeah, yeah so adobe after effects was really really interesting um to me because you could take what i spend hours and hours doing in design and then you make it come to life so i would spend hours making a poster for an event or whatever I would spend hours making a poster, and then um, and that would be in Photoshop or Illustrator, and then or Corel Draw at the time. I was a big fan of that, and uh, and then you put it into Adobe After Effects, and you could make anything. You could animate anything. The type it could look like uh, an official movie title sequence or anything. And um, I had no idea what I was doing um, for years, honestly. And there weren't templates back then. Um, and you couldn't even like save a project and send it to somebody very easily because you'd miss all the assets. So unless you were super organized, there was no collect files or anything back then. So it was really trial and error. And I just remember somebody told me um, it's not a matter of um, finding like uh finding uh, somebody to teach you. It's a matter of the amount of hours that you spend in the program. And I just remember being 18 and thinking, okay, so if I'm in this program for 10 hours a week at least, and then by the time I'm in my mid-20s, I'll be an expert. And so I sort of started that trajectory and played around. And it was play to me. Like, I never played video games (laughs) ever. Like, maybe twice a year, three times a year on my birthday party or some special event. I was never good at video games. I enjoyed it, but I'd never do it. Um, And my hobby, my my play, was in Adobe After Effects. And so that sort of was my sweet spot. So when I became a freshman in college at 20... I think I went to college when I was 20. Um, I walked into the freshman class and people are opening Adobe After Effects for the very first time. Oh. And I had, I was so advanced that my professor, like I was probably better than my professor. And uh, he told me to, uh, to find some project that I could do throughout the semester that I could work on and challenge myself with. So I started to learn Cinema 4D because I was already well acquainted with After Effects. There was nothing that I was inexperienced in as far as the tools go um now you can use a tool a million different ways and cam could tell you this all day with like one piece of software you can use it a million different ways um and so even today i'm still learning different ways that you can do something but i know i can look at a blank canvas in adobe after effects and i can make anything work so if in like in more recent projects heavily complex um file systems coming from agencies that A&E Networks would buy from to get like an opener for a new show or something like that. Just, I mean, huge projects. And the amount of depth in each of those layers, just you can't even wrap your head around how many it is. But um, I can make, you know, if if it's like 50 layers nested, so like 50 (laughs) layers deep, and you're trying to make something like a keyframe adjustment or something, I can find it, I can fix it, and no problem. And I look at it like a challenge. 
What's that? <clears throat> Without messing anything else yeah, up. Yeah, yeah. I literally have a headache just thinking about that because I know it's coming. I know it's coming. I, oh, man. I, I am not an After Effects guy. Me neither. Whatsoever. Uh, I had to learn it when I was working at Mansfield, and I learned enough to know how to keyframe. Yep. Which, granted, is a big part of After yeah, Effects. Yeah, it's but, huge. But, dude, I mean, After Effects is incredible. Um, like, I mean, Deadpool wasn't made in After Effects, but Deadpool was made with the Creative Cloud. Um, I don't know if you knew that or not. I didn't. No, yeah, it was awesome. edited entirely in Premiere. I didn't watch that movie because it's inappropriate. Oh, whatever. No, I'm just playing. <laughs> this, this guy starts a nonprofit and thinks he can't watch Deadpool. <laughs> I'm just playing. Um, so, um, but yeah, with these... I'm about to do a music video that's 100% green screen. I was doing tests earlier today, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and I'm like, oh, my gosh. There's yeah. so much I don't know. So that's impressive because, yeah. you know, After Effects is like speaking Chinese for me, um, mm. <laughs> which is cool. But that's a huge step in the right direction. So did you – it sounds like you went to college a little bit late. Yeah, I didn't I didn't know if I was going to do it or not. Nobody in my family had ever um, graduated or anything. Being homeschooled – uh, I was so insecure with with my output and like what I could make, and I didn't know if it was good with design and with anything I did, honestly, because the only people that had ever really tested me were my parents, and they, you know, were very supportive of everything I did. So um, I was always second guessing everything, and I needed to go to college to prove to myself that I wasn't dumb. That was an insecurity thing, so I spent $200,000 proving that. And I needed to go to college because I um, wanted to validate what I wanted to do for the rest of my life. And in order to do that, I felt like I needed a certificate. And so now, in retrospect, I wouldn't be spending $1,200 a month on student loans Ouch. payments. Uh, and I would be, you know, probably, you know, I look back... I don't know if I would have had the same opportunities because of because I did meet a lot of people in college and it did lead to my first job, which was big. But I could have definitely done what I wanted to do and, and been in love with um, with everything without having gone to college. But personally, for me, I had to prove something, um, and I think in large part it was because I was homeschooled and I had never had that validation anywhere. Hmm. That's one thing that we've been talking with each of our interviewees here on this podcast is is college their education and right. how valuable they thought it was and it's kind of interesting that a lot of people have said that that you know they've made some good connections but it wasn't necessarily worth necessarily the whole 200k and you, you oh. could have got there a different path um, and my dad told me that the whole way through too. <laughs> but he's like before i sign this loan and he had to sign one every semester he's like before i sign this one i just want you to to know that you're good enough to go out there and do this now and make money you don't need a certificate telling you otherwise youtube exists for this reason <laughs> you know you don't have to you know go listen to a professor and i knew that and and even halfway through i had this moment um when i was like a sophomore out I was talking to somebody and I laugh about it with him now. I was just like, man, I should have listened to you. But we, <laughs> we went to a coffee shop and we had this same discussion. Like you should leave, you should drop out right now. And he's like, you don't need this. And I'm like, yeah, I do. Like, and, and the biggest part was for me, another insecurity thing was I never finished anything I started. So <laughs> mm, yeah, I needed to challenge. get that certificate yep. and to <laughs> prove to myself that I could finish uh, and that I was good enough 
Um, but then at the end of it, like, you know, graduation, it was epic. I mean, it's SCAD, Savannah College of Art and Design, and the, they had the the um, founder of um, Pixar, John, I should definitely know his last name. <laughs> John. John <laughs> Lennon or Led, not it's Lennon. not John Lennon. Um, anyway. If it was, that'd be really weird. <laughs> but the guy who basically, um, he, he spirit with Steve Jobs and, and the other guy, um, they made Pixar and, um, this guy is notorious for to- Toy Story and all these characters. And he was the keynote speaker at my graduation. So it was pretty epic. So he went to SCAD in New York city. No, SCAD in Savannah, Georgia. Savannah, Georgia. Wait, I thought there, I thought there was a SCAD in New York city. What's in New York city? There's uh, something like that. <laughs> my buddy SCAD. went there. Maybe New York art. Oh, wait, what is it? NYU art or no. SCAD. He said Savannah right in the AI title. Institute. <clears throat> That's pretty popular. I seriously thought it was called SCAD. No, Whatever. SCAD is in uh, Savannah and Atlanta and Lacoste in France and Hong Kong in China. Interesting. Um, it's gonna. Whenever I remember, I'll interrupt you and make sure you know yeah. which school <laughs> I'm thinking of right now. Um, oh, my gosh. Sorry, it's driving me crazy. Okay, so what did you do after college? Um, I went right to work. So before I graduated, I had a job at the Today Show. So you went straight <laughs> to New York City? Yeah. Okay, so you and I um, did a shoot in New York City. Yes, we did. Probably like a year ago. Yeah. If not exactly. more. Yeah. Wow, that's crazy. New York City looks very different now. Um, <laughs> so we did a shoot in New York City, and you brought me all over the place. That's when you still had an apartment there. Mm-hmm. Um, it was. It's still one of the coolest shoots I've been on. Um Aside from shooting at an abandoned Air Force base in Maine, that was that one still might be number one. But we were shooting in this, I mean, I don't know what floor we were on, but I was like dizzy at the top. Yeah. Not even kidding. Um, right over Times Square. It was so were you, cool. Were you in um, 30 Rock with me? Or yeah. Or was that Columbus Circle? It was It was 30 Rock. It was the... NBC building. No. Gosh darn it, my memory sucks. Um, no, it was the... Uh, it was for the book launch, right? Is that what you're talking about? It was that for project? some. It was for some dude's an book author or something. An author, yeah. Thing. Pirate guy. Yeah, the pirate Sam, guy. Sam Conniff. Yeah, it was. Uh, yeah, that would have been at Thirty Rock, I think. Okay, yeah. sure, Thirty Rock. It was really cool, um, but uh, you were you. I mean, I learned a lot about you and a lot about your life uh, when you were doing that. Now, what you told me there is when you first moved to New York City, it was it was a bit of a trip. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. So. Uh, <laughs> I don't know where this goes or who will listen to this. Uh, um, <laughs> when I first moved to New York City, uh, back up a couple of three months beforehand, I had, uh, and I, this might actually be valuable um, to somebody listening. Um, my goal as a senior was to line up the job of my dreams, not just any job. I didn't want to go work for an uh, an ad uh, farm, is what they're called, um, like where they or there are more inappropriate words to use it as well. And I didn't want to be a mule um, at a production house for 80 hours a week, which is very, very common for people coming right out of college. Um, I wanted to go to a broadcast age, uh, like a broadcast studio. Um, and I wanted to, you know, my dream was to get my work seen by millions of people. And, um, and so I, talked to um, my professor and I said, this is what I really want. I want to go work at a broadcast um, studio in New York City. 
And he said, you should talk to um, this other guy about going up to volunteer for, um, for a couple of days at this art festival in New York. And the art festival, I don't think it exists anymore. It was called F5, I think. And uh, it was a, a big thing by motionographer.com and a bunch of other people. Um, we're sort of supporting it. And NBC was one of those, um, the art director at NBC at the time. Um, <clears throat> I forget his name. Carlos somebody. Uh, he was a big part of it. And his right-hand man, Ventura Castro, um, he was leading up the whole event. And so when I got there, I, I was part of probably 30 students um, who were there to volunteer for the event. It was like a two or three day event at um, a really cool rock and roll uh, venue in New York City. I had never been to New York City other than like visiting the Statue of Liberty and things like very touristy things on the outer side, but I'd never like walked down Sixth Avenue or anything like that. And so it was all very, very overwhelming to me. Um, but I got there at like eight o'clock at night. We walked into this venue and I went up to... Um, the guy who I thought was in charge and I was right. Uh, and I hung out and I was just like, Hey, I'm here to help. And then I saw his right hand man. And, uh, and you know, the, the guy in charge was nice, but he was busy. And I remember listening to a podcast. I was big into self self growth kind of, uh, audio books and podcasts when I was in school. Um, and, uh, like listen to them, read them all day. And I remember this guy, um, Brian, Oh man, that's gonna kill me. You're not very good at last names, but <laughs> I know Brian, somebody who, who wrote like all these self growth books. Anyway, he said, um, "Don't go to the number one guy. Um, go to his number one guy, and then that will give you access to uh, all of anything that you need." We talked about this in our last podcast. Oh, no kidding, really? <laughs> yeah, because, oh, I totally should mention that. Oh, my gosh. So if you guys listened to our last podcast, yeah. <laughs> um, we we talked for a long time. We gave ourselves a challenge because I was, I was talking to them. One of the most valuable pieces of information that you and I have talked about and you've given me is, you know, if you want to go work for Scout & Co. and do a video with Scout, you go and make a video with Starbucks first, Right. Um, cause then you can turn it around and say, I've, I've worked with them because nobody knows if you got paid or not. Right. Yeah. So we were talking exactly, about like fake clients. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. We were talking about that concept a lot because it's so backwards. Tip, you know, the, the thought process for this stuff is you're like, Oh, if I want to go work with Starbucks, I'll start with scout. That way I can show them, right. you, you know, like what, we, what we can do in reality. If you start from the top, then you can. Yeah. Well, in, in school, they, they encourage you to make fake work. Um, and that way, uh, your, your reel looks really top notch by the time you get out, you have all of this stuff and it doesn't look like a student's reel. Students reels look like the local mom and pop coffee shop logo. Mm -hmm. And they're like, no, make Starbucks, <laughs> like rebrand Starbucks and then make that your senior project or whatever. And then that way, you know, you have a really high polished, noticeable, uh, set the bar high portfolio. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, yeah. What I was here. <laughs> <laughs> just wants to cook me. Uh, I know. I'm sorry. It keeps chasing you. However, that shade's going to catch you in a minute. Shade. Oh, yeah. The shade From of the, the shade of the house. house. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's almost here. You're almost there. Um, Long story short, let me just finish what I was saying. In, yep. in the New York uh, festival, I um, ended up being this right-hand man to the right-hand guy. And he 
uh, pulled me aside afterwards. And and I'm saying just like I did everything. Volunteers were there like five hours over the whole weekend. And then the rest of it, they went partying, did everything in New York. I was there an hour before and an hour late. The, and, and I was there for everything. So much so that he handed me his credit card and said, go buy this, go buy that, go do that. All And, and we never met prior to this. <laughs> and so he trusted me with that. Wow. I had never taken a New York subway before. And he's like, go down to 32nd and, and 4th and, and buy at the FedEx store, go get some more paper, whatever. And I did it and I figured it out. It took me a very long time. <laughs> and But I did anything that was necessary. And at the end, he was walking out. And I was still stacking chairs. Everybody else had left. And he's like, he hands me his card and he says, I'm going to call you in a couple of weeks. And I was like, all right, cool. And this is the, the assistant art director at NBC. Hmm. And, uh, and so he called me and said, I'd really love to connect you with my friend who's the art director at Today Show. Uh, for an interview, you know, when are you available? And I'm like, okay, oh, that's amazing. Yeah, yeah. And so I remember. Uh, Let me look at my schedule. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I remember being in the SCAD library, um, working on homework, and I got a call from uh, Millie, who is the art director at Today Show, and she um, interviewed me, and and I was just really excited. She's like, all right, we'd like to take a chance on you, and and uh, we'll give you the job, and uh, and. She told me the rate and um, it was, I'll just be transparent because it was such a pathetic rate now that I look back. <laughs> fresh, fresh, you know, first job out of college. It was $25 an hour in New York City, which is nothing. You could get that at McDonald's in New York City, I'm pretty <laughs> yes. sure. But, yeah. um, so, but I was, it was more money than I ever made in my life. So I was so excited. And anyway, we got there. I got there and, um, and... That was a long, drawn-out way of t of telling you sort of how I got the job of my dreams, which is working at Today Show. Um, but I was struggling because I didn't know anybody in New York City. Hmm. I didn't. The closest person I knew was two hours away in Jersey somewhere, and um, so I stayed with them for the first two weeks that I moved there. And uh, but I was working the night shift at, at Today Show, so. So not only, you know, I got the job of my dreams, but I took any schedule they'd give me and any rate that they had for me because I wanted my foot in the door. Mm. Um, and so I started out at the lowest rate and working the worst shift. Um, and it taught me a lot. Um, but I literally slept in, in parking garages because I would work so late. And by the time I commuted back to the, my friend's house, I was staying at, it was an extra 30 minute drive and I was so tired. I couldn't do it. So I slept in the parking garage and then the next morning I'd get up at one thirty in the morning. <laughs> it was just, it was a wild ride. And then, uh, I didn't get my first paycheck for like almost a month after I moved there hmm. because of tax reasons. And I'd never had a real job before and all of the paperwork. I don't remember all of the reasons, but I was so broke. And my and I have this independence thing where I have trouble asking people for money, um, and so I didn't want to tell my family I wasn't able to like support myself with the big job in New York City, you know. <laughs> and uh, so I didn't tell anybody. But I there were a few nights where I'd just crash on the train, and there were a few Airbnbs that were five dollar couches, and a couple of them, not just one, had bed bugs. Um, <laughs> And I ended up in this one guy's uh, Airbnb for like a longer period of time, like three or four months, uh, sleeping next to six other people on air mattresses, all on the floor, jammed in one big room. Nobody spoke a lick of English. <laughs> they were wow. all they were all from Turkey. He was running like a Turkey hostel underground. 
He's actually one of my best friends now. <laughs> we wow. got really close through that, literally. Um, <laughs> I woke up one night and this this Turkish uh, guy next to me on the air mattress next to me was literally on my pillow with me. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Wow. So very humble beginnings. Four months of that? Oh, easily, yeah. <laughs> my first year in New York was rocky. Wow. That's crazy. Whew, I'm tired from that story. I know. Well, what a New York. I mean, oh, wow. I mean, this yeah. is this real stuff, though. Um, <laughs> and again, I heck, you get a $25 an hour job. That's freaking awesome right out of school, right? Yeah. But then you take into account that it's New York City. Yeah. And that's a little bit harder to pull off. Yeah, especially with moving expenses and not having. So getting rent in New York City, you literally have to be making 40 times what your rent is per month. To even do it? To even get a, a lease, forty times. So wow. if I have a thousand dollar a month rent, just for which is impossible yeah. in New York City, <laughs> You're right? Um, but it's impossible like, here for, for the sake of yeah. math. A thousand dollar a month rent, I would have to be making forty thousand dollars a year in order to uh, in order to get it. So the average apartment was three thousand dollars a month, two two to three thousand dollars a month, right? And then I had to be making forty times that. And I had to have papers to prove it. So for the first year, I didn't have any papers. I didn't have taxes or anything that I wow. thought. So I couldn't get my own place. Um, and we didn't have the kind of, like, that was years and years ago. I don't even, 2015 is when I graduated. So, yeah, six years ago. So what did you do at Today Show for that first year? I was a graphic designer, mostly um, motion graphic designer. So they called me just graphic designer. I kind of resented that because I had a two hundred thousand degrees dollar <laughs> degree saying otherwise, um, <laughs> but yeah, they so it was really humble beginnings at today's show. Um, One thirty a.m. I was in there until nine thirty in the morning, um, and so the live air started at uh, seven a.m. Um, and so between one thirty and seven, we were <coughs> excuse me, we were hustling to try to get all the graphics in on time. And the producers, bless their heart, wouldn't uh, come in until 3 or 4 in the morning. Um, and they wouldn't start writing for the show until about 5 or 6 o'clock in the morning after <laughs> they had the coffee. So, uh, <laughs> They're two hours of coffee. <laughs> so, so once they woke up, once they got in there, uh, they start submitting all the graphic orders. So between the hours of 5.30 and 6.30 and 7, it was nuts. Like the amount of pressure that we were under. Hmm. Because we would get an order... Uh, we'd get 10 orders all at once, all from the same producer sometimes. And they would say, you know, we need a graphic slide for this. We need a video for this. We need an edit for this. And an edit could be a promo that you'd work on normally for like a week freelance. They need that in an hour. Wow. New York's fast pace. Nope. I'm staying in Vermont. <laughs> it was crazy. But what it forced me to do and what I learned very fast was one of the things that potentially had like the greatest impact on my career, which was forcing me to build my own toolkit. And what a toolkit is to me is, and it's literally just a folder called my toolkit, but it, they're templates that I've built myself. And nowadays you can buy them, um, like uh, Photoshop templates, After Effects templates. But back then nobody, there was no website that you could buy templates that I knew of anyways. Um, and so, but you build all these templates that you can, instead of start from scratch, you're starting from something. And so if I need to crank out a, an edit in the next 30 minutes, well, it's going to take 15 minutes to render because they have crappy machines. <laughs> um, 
So I need to have my template all set up. I just swap out the text, put in the images, press render, and ready to go. So what I figured out was the hours between 1.30 and 5, I could build templates. And then the hours from 5 to 7, I You're just modifying a template and kicking them out. Which is how I finally got better shifts and was recognized. And, uh, you know, the people at the, uh, like the um, executive producer at today's show, the 9 a.m. show, uh, personally uh, told me that I'm reliable, that that I'm the one person they can count on. Like those kinds of things you can put on your, your resume they, you know, you literally print those out. Yeah, with <laughs> and, their titles behind it. Yeah, right. executive producer and um, and the executive producer of um, the entire NBC News department, Neil Carter. He, um, I just told him like, I mean, <laughs> granted, you know, four in the morning, you don't really become friends with people you're working <laughs> on shifts, right? Everybody's grumpy and it's hard. But uh, Neil and I became sort of friends, like in the environment, and I would do anything he needed, and um, and he began to be able to rely on me and so by being able to rely on me he offered me opportunities that nobody else was getting so Mm -hmm. he sent me a list every week and I couldn't tell anybody this uh, at the time but he sent me a list of all the celebrities we were going to have on the show that month and I got to choose which ones I wanted to design for and the entire segment for brand the show for I could go over and meet them and so I saw Matt Damon on a list one time. <laughs> I was I was just about to bring up Matt Damon. I'm not even kidding. Ooh, I was I am obsessed with. Uh, He's on the front page of his website. That's <laughs> that's why I was going to bring it up. <laughs> yeah, it was my it was my profile picture forever. I remember one time I was posting in one of these Facebook groups trying to find a, like a place to rent. I just posted my selfie with <laughs> Matt Damon. <laughs> And somebody commented, they were like, do you think having a selfie with a celebrity makes you better and like more likely to get rented from? I was like, yeah. 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 (laughs) It's like, if you have a a selfie with Matt Damon, you use your selfie with Matt Damon. (laughs) That's your business card. But anyway, yeah, no, he was on the, you know, the newborn movie with Alicia Vikander. And I saw that on a list and I was like, I'm all about that. I'm going to brand the whole thing. I'll do anything you want, Neil. And so he gave me all the graphics for it. And over the course of the next three weeks in my extra time, beyond the stress of the job, beyond all of the normal orders in my extra time, um, I would design these segments and they were fun because I got to do anything I wanted and he'd give me feedback and I'd make it better. And then when the time came to run the interview for Universal um, Studios, uh, which, you know, is an affiliate of, of NBC, Comcast and everything. So all of the new movies would essentially get promoted on the Today Show. And so that's how a lot of the celebrity connections happen. Um, and so anyway, they came down to the studio. It was a different day. Um, Alicia Vikander came in and then Matt Damon on a different day. And both of them, I went over watch the interview, all my graphics are on all the screens, they're the intro, they're the outro, and get to meet the celebrities and take pictures. It was just amazing. I mean, that was the highlight of the job. That's so cool. (laughs) So 2015 is when you got in New York City? Yep. Wow, so you actually weren't there as long as I thought you were. Yep. So four years? Yeah, I started school in 2012, and then I graduated in the beginning of 2015, and I was there for five years, yeah. 
I mean, well, well no, when we, I mean, last year, this time, I was still technically there. Oh, really? Yeah. I remember, oh, okay. I was always going back and forth. That's forever. true. You did go back and forth a lot. <laughs> yeah. It was incredible how many flights you took. <laughs> I mean, every weekend I was here. Every weekend, yeah. yeah. But I mean, you, oh, yeah, you went during the week. Wow, that's crazy. We'll get to that. Um, yeah, connect those dots if you're going there. Yeah, yeah well, we'll, we'll, <laughs> we'll get to it, but um, we'll get to the move to Vermont eventually. But yeah, man, that's crazy. That is crazy. Um, straight out of college, especially. I mean, that's what people dream of, right? Um, that's what he dreamed of. That's what you dreamed of, and, and now, you're, now you're here. Now, was that a goal that you set? I, I have a very, very specific goal that I set for myself. Okay. All right, and, and I, I think it's, it's a funny goal. Now, I look back. My goal was the very first time I got to New York City, when I told you I was volunteering, I stepped into a, uh, a cab. And there was a TV on the on the taxi in the back seat, and I remember seeing uh, the broadcast, whatever it was, Good Morning America, Today Show, whatever it was, and I remember thinking, that's where I want my graphics, just randomly being able to jump in the back of a cab to see the stuff that I'd worked on, um, and. So within two weeks of working at Today Show, that happened. <laughs> and so then I had to set a bigger goal because that was the first year of my career, you know, and I had, that was a, as big as I could think of. Millions of viewers step into a cab and, and see your work and, and whatever. It's so cool. Um, and, and multiple times, well, I, I worked there for two years exactly. Um, and then I moved on to another, uh, to A&E Networks which is the entertainment sector, which is completely different than the stress of live, uh, of broadcasting and news. Um, but yeah, I, I jumped on a flight, um, one morning at 11 o'clock from New York. Um, I don't remember where I was going, but I was sitting in my chair and the, the TV in front of the seat was broadcasting that morning's television. And I had been in there and I'd made all the graphics for the segment. And so it was my stuff. So anywhere I was at, I was tempted to like, Tell the person next to me, yeah. I made that. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I, I remember later on, in uh, years later at A and E Networks, um, I took my honeymoon um, with my beautiful wife Savannah, and we went out to Newfoundland, and we were on a 19-hour ferry, um, ferry ride across the ocean, and uh, it was two in the morning, and I, I could hardly sleep, and the TV was up uh, overhead, and the History Channel was playing, and all of a sudden it played a promo that for an antique car show or something and and i had made that we're out in the middle of the atlantic ocean <laughs> at two in the morning on a random television and i just look up and i'm like i made that you know it's just that crazy amount of influence that you don't even know where your stuff was seen uh was the dream and and it was it was so incredible I, my other one was to go to times square at the biggest uh, biggest screen in Times Square, which is uh, or was owned by Google, uh, and it's it's like I don't even know. It, it's more than a football field long, and to have my work on that, you know, at some point, and that happened multiple times <laughs> in New York too. They went live Today Show live in in Times Square promoting the new app. That was the first time, and I just was like, holy shit! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's amazing. so awesome. So I mean, you had. I mean, what was your repertoire? Everything you did in New York City. Today Show, A&E, History Channel. Well, A&E owns um, a bunch of channels. Oh, so, okay. uh, History Channel, Vice. Um, History Channel is a part of um, a bunch of other channels that A&E Networks owns. So, yeah, that was, um, that was a part of that. And then CBS was the other big one. 
So I was um, on the uh, creative team. I was a senior motion graphic designer when I went to CBS. Now, the trick in New York City is this. And somebody taught me. I don't even remember who it was. I think it was a senior artist uh, at NBC told me that you, in New York City, you can work 40 years in one skyscraper and you will barely advance. You'll, you'll advance like... Uh, every five years, you'll get a $5 raise, <laughs> like yeah, nothing, yeah. you know? But if you bounce from this skyscraper to the one across the road, and then when you come back, they'll hire you on at a much bigger rate and a much better position um, because you'll have had the other experience and, and you'll just look more valuable. And so two years to the day at Today Show, um, then I went to A&E Networks, <laughs> I've been watching him. He's been making a web for a while. Spider <laughs> coming at him. Ruined his dreams. Um, when I went to A&E Networks, I remember getting a phone call. Um, they had found me on LinkedIn, and they said, we love your work. We'd love to, to talk to you. I didn't even reach out. And it was, it was uh, I consider it like a God thing where um, I was really stressed at work, and I needed a change in my, my life um, because uh, of being newly married and all of these things. Um, and so moving to the entertainment sector was, was exactly what I needed. And I remember they offered me a rate of $70 an hour and, and an apology saying that's all they could do. And I was going <laughs> wow. from 45 at that time with, with today's show, almost double what I was yeah. making. They offered it and they apologized. I'm so sorry. That's all we can, we can do. Maybe as you go on, we can give you more. So my <laughs> rate doubled in, in, the, in the course of a week. And when I went there, then I go to CBS and I can say my, this is my rate. Um, and this is my, you know, th this is my experience and, and it just goes from there. So now wow. I'm at like 170 an hour, um, doing, you know, my freelance stuff. And, uh, and now I can say like every time I get on a project now I do take lower rates sometimes, sometimes, you know, sometimes <laughs> the work isn't always there. I'm there. <laughs> I get it. <laughs> you just got to say yes. But you also got to know what you're worth and you're worth what anybody will pay you. And that's the thing. So if, if you tell somebody, uh, you know, this project is going to be $15,000 and they'll pay it, then you're worth it. And the next project you say, this is going to be, you know, normally it'd be $15,000. What can you do? If they can't do quite that, maybe they can do 10. That's still twice what you would have done it for. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. I could have done it for 500, but yeah. I'm not, we're not going to talk about that. Yeah. Let's, yeah. let's elaborate on that just a little bit. Cause that's something Cam and I chatted a, a, quite a bit about is how, how you quote or how you set budgets on gigs or projects. And he's had a lot of influence from you on that. Um, yeah, valuing your worth. So yeah, but also he's had a lot of free projects for me too, right? Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. yeah. Hey, I, I'm I'm giving you both sides. I'm like, yes, you should charge way more. And B, when I when you work for me, I'm not gonna pay. <laughs> yeah. No. Well, no, actually, you've done a, you've done a lot of that for me. Um, in the sense of you, you really set me on the path of of big budgets and and just making me feel like I could pull it off. Um, which was huge because I remember we were sitting in your kitchen, um, in your first apartment here in Vermont mm -hmm. and you were like, I think I asked you, what do you think I make a year? <laughs> okay. <laughs> and you, you said a number that was like about that number more than I make a year. <laughs> and I was like, I was like, really? Like, <laughs> like, like really? You, you I, I, it, cause it was a number that. Um, I don't think, I think I can share this. You said 300,000 a year. I did? You did. 
I don't know if I would have guessed three hundred. Okay, 000. well, don't 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 take it back, you jerk. Um, I'm, I'm trying to don't uh, choose your next words wisely. Um, no, but you said something like. Or, or you said something like you could be making $300,000 a year. Um, I showed you the Envision Providence video right? Um, that I did for, I'll say, between two and 3000 It may just oh, happen man, to be right. Hurts. may just have to be. It may <laughs> be right. That was a great it, project. You should have well, charged like 10 for Well, that. so when I asked <laughs> you about it, you I, I told you the scope. I was down there for X amount of days. It took X amount of days to edit, and you were like 12-5 or don't do it again. Yeah. And yeah. I was like... Okay, here we go, you know, and, and, and finally we're inching closer to that, but that gave me a, it gave me a whole lot of confidence, honestly, of, of good, you know, and, and ever since then I don't get jobs in Vermont anymore. <laughs> well, that's the thing. <laughs> yeah, right. Like, he's, he's saying your yeah. worth is 12, five for that project with New York glasses on, you know, I don't think those opportunities of CBS quality are around. Yeah. Here, well, give or take. So here's the thing. We have Boston. Boston's part of yep. New England, and yeah. and you you can't just you can't think state lines. And state lines don't matter. Um, you can do work any in any of the fifty states, or other countries, and you'll be surprised how many um, how many other countries will hire American designers in a preference just because of the education that we supposedly have. <laughs> um, so I have know. a great college education. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The College of YouTube. Yeah, exactly. Well, you put all of that money that I spent in in st- school loans, you put that into gear. And so yeah. I'm extremely jealous. That's <laughs> uh, okay. Of, that's why you know me. Uh, no, that's not why I know you. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah, so like finding uh finding your worth and and so the other day I did a project for Dartmouth College, my first Ivy League college. Um, that's here in, uh, well, in New Hampshire, right next door. And, uh, the guy called me up and, and said they've been looking for a motion graphic designer. They really want to do a high end spot for their alumni. And, uh, uh, and he's like, so what's your rate? How do you do it? And he wanted to hire me freelance. And I said, well, typically, uh, you know, this is my rate. And I gave him the New York rates and I'm like, I'll be honest, this will be my first New England project. And so I'm not super acquainted with, uh, with like an hourly freelance um, for for a senior motion graphic artist in in New England, um, and so we settled on seventy. And I feel like it was very fair for the project we did. I ended up making almost eighteen hundred dollars off of a, a in, in is about a thirty second spot, um, and that's honestly I would have done that in New York for the same amount. Hmm. So it, that was reasonable, and and it, it was just me being being willing to be transparent and saying like this is what I'm worth. This is what I normally charge, but I'm willing to work with you. Um, you know, I'm not going to take $25 an hour. I'm sorry I don't have time, but I'll, I'll work with you to to get to a place where it's it's going to be a win-win. You know? Yeah, you kind of set the bar and then was like, well, you know, I'm, I'm open. Yeah, it. and I've also heard, like, never be the first person to bring a price. Yeah. And that has yeah. worked for me as well, the yep. gig that you came to in New York. Um I shouldn't have said their name. <laughs> <laughs> I can take it out. I can take it out. Uh, this company that you you did a gig for me in New York City, uh, we had uh, talked originally on the phone. I had done some free work for them pro bono because they're a nonprofit. Um, I, had, I had donated 20 hours worth of motion graphics. That was two years ago. Then the next year, because they're based out of London, they don't know American designers, videographers, whatever. They called me. And... They said, we're looking for videographers in New York City for our lectures. And I had never shot a lecture in my life. 
And, but I, I said, I have a team for that. <laughs> and, yep. uh, and, and then a month later you met me. No, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Build a team. That's basically what happened. And, um, and I just remember the initial pricing conversation went something like, um, well, what's your budget? Me asking them. Mm-hmm. And they said, well, what do you usually charge? <laughs> and I bounced it back. It's like playing a little bit of basketball. You're yeah. throwing it back. And I said, well, it entirely depends on the production value that you want to bring to the table. Smart. Yeah. So what's your budget? <laughs> I've worked with budgets in the hundreds of thousands of dollars because I worked for NBC. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. I've done million dollar projects for the history <laughs> yeah. channel. Yeah. Exactly. Well, when I started doing social media, I was able to say we've had millions of engagements. Like my, yeah. my millions. Posts, yeah. My posts have been seen by millions of people because I, I was on broadcast um, and then social media, my my um, designs, my advertising, all of this stuff has been um, interacted with over 26 million times. And those were real metrics I can take because I've worked with those clients and done work with them in those areas like History Channel, the Vikings promo stuff. 26 million people saw those campaigns that I did. Hmm. So you can use those metrics when you go to sell yourself. So anyway, yeah, they, they came at me and said, you know, our comfortable budget is 10 grand. And I said, deal. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. And now, and then the next year I charged, uh, I, I went up 20% and, uh, they said, it's a little bit of a stretch. And I said, okay. And they paid me, (laughs) you know? Okay. Sorry. And, and then this year, thank, you know, because of Corona, because of contracts and you've always given me a little bit of a hard, uh, been a hard ass on my contract. You and paperwork. (laughs) But because of that paperwork and, and my relationship with them, we ended up doing one gig and getting paid for six. Oh heck this yeah! Year. Yeah. Oh yeah, contracts are nice. Yeah. They, they can work out. They um, <laughs> no, I just remembered to do that New York City shoot. I had to go get an insurance policy. Yeah. Hmm. Well, well, I had to I get did, a four million dollar insurance. <laughs> well, I, I think I got a million. I think yeah, I did a million dollar yeah. policy. That was a minimum for a contractor to be on the site, which is crazy. And again, I still have it, and it's useful, and I need it. So next time somebody trips on a tripod, it's fine. Yeah, yeah. yeah right, yeah. but not next time. That's never happened. Let me <laughs> let me preface it with that. But but uh, yeah, and I think that's so valuable, and I think that was so valuable to me because there's definitely people listening who are listen who are thinking the same thing that I thought originally, which is like you scumbag, you know, like, because it's like, you know, the, what your, what's your budget thing is, is very much like, it can sound like you're just trying to grab money. You know what I mean? Yeah. But it, it, it takes something. It takes a conversation with you is what it took for me. And maybe it's listening to this for some people where it starts to make sense because for me, it totally makes sense now in the sense of like, Hollywood movies are not filmed on hourly rates. That would make no sense at all, mm-hmm. right? They're filmed on budgets. Yep. Well, why? Because bigger budgets allow you to do more stuff. Mm-hmm. It allows, allows you to get gear, allows you to get people. Um, you can put more time into it, all that sort of stuff. Um, and that's why I've completely gone for the budget model myself. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know my bottom line, yeah. as do you, right? Um, 25 bucks an hour ain't yeah. going to happen, right? <laughs> but um, the $30,000 red camera in your pocket. Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> which, again, you know, you, you can rent it from me anytime. Um, <laughs> and you actually, you have. Well, you haven't rented the camera. You've rented all the attachments. I tried to rent the camera. You were like, this is my baby. I'm yeah, like, oh. it was a little early. It was That was still within the first year. That was that was a little early. <laughs> Got his first scratch. Um, yeah, but, uh, but all good. Yeah, I think that's really, really important for people to hear um, because a lot of filmmakers, a lot of filmmakers, especially in Vermont, sell themselves short. 
mm-hmm. do giant projects for no money. I know lots of them. Yeah, well, you're the problem. <laughs> I, yeah, yeah. I, you're the reason I'll never give Vermont work. Well, I don't give Vermont work anymore. Right. Well, you, not you. Yeah. Well, I thought people. you were talking to me specifically. I'm like, dude, I'm not. I'm not the issue here. I, I still want to sit down every Vermont filmmaker and just be like, guys, right? Get well, your crap together. If you together. had a union, and like New York has all those unions, <laughs> yeah. that's the why. Oh. Is that you have your bottom line, mm. and you will not work for less than that amount, and and collectively, you've all decided that. That's yeah. why unions exist. People walk out of work and say, we want these rights. Otherwise, none of us are going to work. Yeah. So <laughs> so maybe Vermont needs to. I'm not going to say that we need a union, <laughs> but we do need some common agreement. Yeah. Well, a, a network where you can talk about it. Right. You know, and, and networking, I want to say, with your competitors, you know. Yeah, pretty much. Working together in such a small community. I mean, yeah, like you said, you, we can reach to Boston and work worldwide, but, you know, out of the creative people in Burlington. It'd be nice to to know your neighbors, I guess, is one way to put it. That's why we have a podcast, Yeah, exactly. That's why we have a podcast. I love it. At this point in the conversation, we wanted to take a quick break. So now's a great time for you to hear from our sponsors. Hey, my name's Andy Chamberlain, and my wife Kylie and I are owners of a micro farm in Vermont called Pepper's Patch. Named after our dog, Pepper, who we love so much and makes our world a happier place. We love growing plants and making others feel better too, which is why we grow cut flowers to share smiles and cultivate CBD hemp to make a local CBD oil you can feel good about. We also sell hops, catnip, and eco-friendly decor. So be sure to follow us on social media and check out our website, pepperspatch.com, to see what we're up to. You can shop online and we offer shipping, curbside pickup, or you can meet us at the Jericho Farmer's Market on Thursday afternoons. If you have a question, just ask. And if we've never met, we'd love to meet you. For you, for our planet, thank you from Pepper's Patch. We believe storytelling through film and media is the only effective way of reaching people. We strive to tell stories that matter in the highest of quality. Visual storytelling through film and media. Reach out to Cameron Bushy of 6-5 Films. When you were negotiating, uh, there was a little bit of back and forth because you didn't want to throw the first number. Uh, and I think a lot of that is what is the client's expectations? What are they looking for? Because what they're looking for may be 10x what it actually costs because they have no idea. Now, in New York, I'm sure they, they've got an idea of what a production costs. But I think, like you said, up yeah. here, a, a college. Yeah, that's a huge problem. They don't even here. know. For sure. Yeah. Um, so I think that kind of helps knowing their expectations before you throw a number. Um, what's your experiences with that? Yeah, that's a good question. 
Um, generally speaking, I ask for a reference of what they're looking for. Um, so uh, usually when a client reaches out to me, they'll ask, um, hey, they'll, they'll say, hey, are you able to do this? Which is usually a promo or um, a, a variety of different things. But uh, if it's video related, especially, but also motion graphics, I'll say absolutely can do. Um, and uh, it would be really helpful if you provided some references and in, in work that you really like. That way we're all on the same page from yeah, the get go. Now, in industry standard, it would be, uh, you know, we would develop a storyboard from that. Um, and the storyboard could be drawn or photographed or um, or it could be like an animatronic kind of um, layout where it's uh, literally like animated with stick figures or whatever. And it shows the client like this is the direction. This is the entire product uh, where we're, where we're going to go um, for a high end product um, like fifty thousand hundred thousand dollar projects, which exist. And I've been on them before and they're a lot more basic than you'd think. Um, I did a gig once. Or Infor, which is the biggest company you've never heard of. <laughs> Million dollar company. Um, and their headquarters in New York is like Tony Stark's headquarters in New York. <laughs> wow. it, it is sick. And they have a studio built into this um, really, really awesome office building. And it's called Hook and, Hook and Sync Studio or something like that. Hook and Loop. And uh, it's their own. And, and this is a very common thread amongst uh, corporate companies in 2020. Uh, and, and, you know, just a couple of years ago, Airbnb started leading the way, I think, in this and building your own production team instead of hiring out. Put your millions of dollars into your own gear and your own production and, and just run your own team and don't freelance out as much. Uh, don't hire out agencies is a big one. Um, and so, but anyway, Hook and Loop hired me to work on this uh, infographic-y kind of video shoot that they did. And they invited me to all these folders on Dropbox, and uh, one of them was the budget folder. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, hey, I mean, they invited me to it. I'm not going to not look at it. I was yeah. just curious because from a production standpoint, running my own company now, I wanted to learn these numbers. They had paid $300,000 for this production. It was a 30-second TV commercial spot <laughs> that they ended up scrapping. Oh, ow. What? They paid me... Uh, three or four thousand dollars over the course of a couple of weeks to work on the on the infographic kind of stuff, and at the end of it, they the last three days I was booked there, I wasn't working. They had scrapped it. They said they wanted to go to a different direction. Three hundred grand had already been spent. You already got paid. I already got paid. They had already flown the whole team out to California to shoot it. <laughs> they had already rented the studio. They already paid the actors. They already gone to all of these different places and and three hundred grand and it was nothing. Nobody lost a job. It was nothing. How'd that make you feel? I felt used. Yeah. <laughs> when I knew that the production budget was that and I was getting paid this, yeah. <laughs> I was like, I'm just a pawn. And that that moment in my life changed the trajectory of where I was going because mm. from that moment on, I decided I was an agency. I'm not an individual. Thus, verily say. Yep. Incorporated. Yep. Where we charge $30,000 for a motion graphic video that I can hire somebody to do for 300 because we can. If you can find this person to pay it, that's what. So I made you sound like a scumbag, but I hope <laughs> people understand where you're coming from. Let me from. get something very clear. <laughs> Vermont and uh, New England in general, it's okay to make money. Yeah. You know, Mark Wahlberg's in Boston. He's a multimillionaire. No one's hating on him. Yeah. It's okay to charge a lot of money for something that's really good. 
And it's okay to charge a lot of money to somebody who will pay it for something that's, you could have done better, but whatever. You, you could get somebody to mow this lawn for you. For I would do it for, for next to nothing because I think it would be a blast. <laughs> we talked right. about that the other day. But you could hire a team of mowers to come in for $3,000 a month and mow this beautiful lawn every single time it needs to get mowed. Or you could pay them $30,000 every single month to mow this lawn and weed whack every single time. And it's going to look amazing. But you wouldn't notice the difference, really. But you're willing to pay the extra because you have it. <laughs> and I'll take it. <laughs> I'll That's take the difference. It. There's there's no there's no bougie kind of like bougie is a New York term. You got way too white to know what that is. <laughs> I've heard it in this. Bougie mentality music. is like this upper class elitist. Oh yes, I pay them twenty thousand dollars to weed whack my gardens. Like mm. that's bougie kind of thing. Dude, there are enough bougie people with lots and lots of money who I don't have a problem taking money from. The people, <laughs> I would rather take $30,000 for a mediocre project and smile about it and then be able to offer a nonprofit that I believe in, like One Child, completely free. I fly out there. I shoot with them for a week. I, I go to the Dominican Republic um, and meet the kids and, and create $20,000 worth of content for nothing. Give it to them. And I can because I charge clients who can pay more and so it it circles back around nothing wrong with making money really enables you to do those other projects that make a bigger impact which is my which is my dream now it's what i love to do now how do you get past giving people budgets getting doors shut in your face mm. yeah. okay so like if if a client says um there's no way we're gonna pay fifteen thousand dollars for that basically yeah i say Cool. Well, call me when you can. You know, I, I've literally turned away work quite, um, quite a lot last year. So in September, for whatever reason, September was my busiest month ever. I had five projects go. I hired you to edit um, for a week or two on um, the uh, those weird projects, those weird <laughs> things. Remember, one planet in California. We shot all. Those oh, interviews. I do remember. I hardly remember doing that, but yes. <laughs> Hired you to do that. I hired um, two videographers in New York to shoot uh, a nonprofit that I never even went to. They they did a shoot for me in New York, and and I was editing as well, and I was on a shoot for some reason. I don't yeah, remember. you were busy. I remember that. September was the busiest month of my life, and uh, but I made I came a, uh, away from that having made twenty to thirty thousand dollars, which was um, which was probably when you spread it out a fourth of my entire year's income was in a month. Hmm. And, um, and so I had to be able to quickly scale and I turned away three other projects that month. And I didn't just turn them away. Like, because I was busy, I turned them away and said, that's not enough because I could have made time. I could have hired you know, you or you knew a friend. I was going to bring that up, but, <laughs> but I'm glad you you did before yeah. I did. <laughs> I, I, <laughs> I'll be a B shooter. <laughs> exactly. Um, I never turn away work uh, because I'm busy. I only turn away work if it's not worth my time. And you have to know like the value of your time. And that can go up and down depending on how busy you are for sure. But you have to know that your, your time is worth this. And as an agency owner now, I, I, I literally have on in, in paperwork people that I have to pay, freelancers I have to pay, insurance I have to pay, office lease I have to pay, all of the bills, everything. And I'm responsible to meet that bare minimum monthly 
commitment. And so I have no problem telling a client, I need $12,000 for these four videos that I can make in four days. Um, Hmm. And and they're going to love them. They're going to be happy. And the other thing I learned is, when you're telling somebody, and, and, and I realize coming from a small town and, and working a $200 graphic design, my, my whole, um, you know, even in, in you know, 1920, um, I realized that charging $10,000 for a video that you could make for $100 sounds unreasonable. But is it if you're providing a video to a client that they can turn around and make Ten, twenty, thirty thousand dollars from clients, you know. So, for instance, I made this Dartmouth alumni video last week. Charged them fifteen hundred dollars, eighteen hundred dollars for a thirty-second motion graphic spot, and I used a template that I built in New York, and it took me hardly any time. I mean, it was a little bit of finessing, um, but not much time. I was able to charge them eighteen hundred dollars for a thirty-second spot, um, and they didn't blink an eye to pay it because they're raising tens of thousands of dollars with these alumni videos and my spot gives that pristine premium edge at the beginning of each of their zoom calls and they go live my beautiful crystal graphics are are broadcast across zoom (laughs) broadcast across a terrible (laughs) internet (laughs) but you get it right yeah Yeah. right you're upselling their products and and they're making a return yeah that's another point that i just thought of too that as you get better, and like you said, you have these templates now, you could crank a project out in a day that would take an amateur four days to do. So why should you still be getting 20, 30 bucks an hour right. because you've good mastered point. the craft? Good you point. Know? Yeah. And I think something that... that I, th- I think you taught me this. <laughs> um, I'll take the credit. Or at least, or at least we've <laughs> talked about it. Um, that I started doing recently is just like... I know I felt better about um, charging a lot more for these things because of the added value that you can give, Yeah. right? Well, you just gave the ex- example of a Zoom call, but I know what I've been doing recently is when a budget is, in my mind, on the high end of what I would normally charge, mm-hmm. um, I throw in a quick one-minute cut down for Instagram of, of whatever, of whatever video, because it's, it's a freebie. It takes zero time to cut down an edit (laughs) that is already done. You know, you take a three minute video, you can cut it down to a minute really quick. I mean, it it, it can probably take 30 minutes, you know? Um, and people love it because that's a whole lot of added value on top. Yeah, exactly. And, um, and that's, that's made me feel a little bit better about taking 100%. bigger and budgets. They'll want to use you again because you went over, you, you under-promised, over-delivered, and you brought them not only what they committed to, but then you brought it in full fashion. You said, here's here's your lunch that you ordered on a, a golden tray. Right, exactly. <laughs> and, and that's exactly your whole story in New York City. Yeah. And yeah. and how you got up in the Today Show and all stack that stuff. Stacking chairs. Uh, stacking chairs. <laughs> right? That's, that's what you got to do. That's the grind. Um, yeah. So you're coming to the end of your time in New York City. Mm-hmm. I think we've hit on everything in New York City, right? Oh, man. Everything from the five-hour <laughs> beds to yeah, the Yeah, the, the only thing that I started being, you know, I, I thought I'd throw this in. With New York, I was very discontent with, um, with what I was doing because there was no why. It wasn't just, uh, for me and my personality type, and I've realized 
uh, that not everybody's like this. Not everybody's wired like this. But for me, I needed to, at the end of the day, be able to go home and know that what I had contributed had made a difference in the world. And broadcast news kind of had that, where we were reporting a lot of school shootings back then. Um, thankfully, not so much right now. Fingers crossed. Um, but we were reporting like breaking news every day, and people would die. And, and and people being informed is worthy of your time to make for sure. Um, and and yet, I needed something that was gratifying um, and, and sort of fulfilling my inner calling, which I had felt like was New England's youth for a long time, um, being able to come back to New England and give back um, and and show kids who work at gas stations and nothing wrong with that, but showing them that uh, there's something, that, there's such a bigger world out there, you know? I mean, I have friends, you have a friend here too, who'd never been on an airplane before. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still working on yeah. that. I know. Well, we booked tickets to Greece together and then... I know, and then... Corona, (laughs) showing kids, teenagers, youth in New England, that there's a greater world that beyond your small town mind, beyond all of everything that you think is wonderful and amazing here, so much more opportunity and you can truly do what you love exactly what you want. Like, look at you, for instance, Cam. (laughs) Cam is, you know, we talked about this, uh, I don't know, a few months ago and talking about your niche trying to figure out oh, yeah. what you yeah. really would love to do. And we figured out, or you figured out, that it's motocross yep. uh, working with it. So talk a little bit about that. Well, it's, it's it, yeah, it was motocross and ministry, I think is what ministry. we came to. And so niche. I, yeah. <laughs> it exists. It does exist. do it. Yeah, and I, I, this is the first time I've told this story publicly, which I'm very excited about. And I can't wait to show you to the video. He just um, practices interview skills on you. Yeah, congr- turn there. congrats. So... <laughs> And I will talk about it. Um, a little bit of background on Andy that I forgot to mention. Um, video guy has a video company. Also, also valuable information. Al- also ride dirt, rides dirt bikes. An hour and a half in, you get to my bio. Yeah, sorry. Do some things. Also rides dirt bikes. I, I should have mentioned that. But anyway, yeah. So I grew up racing motocross. There's a dirt bike track behind us that you can't see, um, but the town is after us, so that's a whole nother. We'll just say it's getting reshaped. It's getting reshaped. Mo- moved a little further. Yes. Just call it a golf course. They'll all be about it. Yeah. And, uh, I'm not going to get political, So, <laughs> but I easily could right there. So um, my company name is 65 Films, shameless plug, but that's because my number was 65 when I was racing dirt bikes. So anyway, we came to the conclusion that, um, yeah, I want to, I want to film dirt bikes because my, my original plan when I was a kid is I wanted to go pro racing motocross. Um, I quickly became that (laughs) that was not going to (laughs) happen. You know, I quickly came to the realization that wasn't going to happen. So, um, and I obviously fell in love with filmmaking even more. So that's, that's all good. But you and I talked about that and I DM'd a pro supercross racer on Instagram. (laughs) And I, I just, I, I knew he was starting vlogging on YouTube. Yeah. So he had a need for video. Um, his vlogs were a little bit subpar. No offense, AJ. <laughs> um, but him and I have had quite a few conversations since about how to make them better and, and you know, all that good Basic stuff. Basic filmmaking technique. Exactly. Like shoot from the shadow side. He was <laughs> like, what do you mean? I was like, just do it. Trust me. It looks way better. Um, it doesn't make any sense, but it looks better. So I DM'd him and I'm like, hey, 
you know, I had made a quick little video with my buddy on the track at my house. Yeah, I um, that. And a shot at Josh. it. You know, all I did was shoot it in widescreen at golden hour. So it looked amazing, <laughs> right? Um, and in, and in, uh, in red, right? And red, yeah. I shot it on red and <laughs> 120 yeah. FPS and 4K. So that helped too. But, <laughs> you know. Um, but so I sent him this video. I sent him the video that I did with a motocross mechanic um, for a shop. And I was like, hey, I've done some stuff like this. I kind of have, I kind of want to get in the motocross industry. Um, would you want to make something? I know you do YouTube and, and social media presence. And he's got more followers than some of the top pros, you know, um, which is, which is cool. So anyway, I was like, would you be, cons would you consider doing something? And he immediately wrote back and he was like, heck yeah, well, let's do something. And I was like, okay, <laughs> this is sweet. I'm, awesome. I'm talking to a pro supercross racer right now. <laughs> yeah. And cause I've, all you did was ask. All I did was ask. <laughs> yeah. I, oh my gosh. Uh, the, not, not just, let me, let me elaborate on that. You didn't just ask. You were willing to put yourself out there and say, I'm good enough to work with you as a professional and you need my help. Yeah, basically. And so you didn't just ask, like, hey, I'm a big fan. I want right. to be part yeah, of it. Exactly. Right. Yeah, you didn't you, fanboy. You went out there, you gave him examples of your work that you worked really hard on, and then you sent that to him and said, I would love to help you look even better because you are a professional, whatever. And then this opportunity. Well, that's exactly it. And and that is something, I guess, valuable to say is, is I immediately, the immediate pitch was, I know you're trying to grow on YouTube and I can help you with that. Yeah. That was, that was really 100%. what it came. That was my first address. Need that yeah. he had. If I could pull up my first me message, I'd show it to you. That's, yeah. that's exactly what it, what it said. So yeah. So anyway, he was like, let's go shoot at Gillette stadium for Supercross." That would have been the coolest freaking <laughs> thing ever. And then this little virus started going around yeah. and that got canceled. So anyway, a long story short, this was months ago, um, two weeks ago. Don't worry, I've quarantined for 14 days. <laughs> um, so <laughs> two weeks ago, I went down to West Virginia um, with him. Uh, he teaches motocross schools in the off season um, when he's not racing. So, And obviously all the races got canceled and pushed back and all this stuff. So he was teaching school down in West Virginia. And he's like, hey, let's, let's shoot it. I'm doing this rider appreciation thing. There's going to be a ton of riders, whatever. Um, all good stuff. And I was like, sweet. So, you know, he got me a place to stay, all this good stuff. And I went down and I ended up shooting him three videos instead of the one that we, the one that we, you know, Under agreed upon. Over exactly. Uh, so, so much content anyway. <laughs> yeah, I know. So the, we did one video for the school, which was, which I shot and it was great. I didn't shoot any interviews or anything. Shot him riding. I made that a little 45 second video. And then I made like a 30 second video of him riding one handed because he's crazy good at That's riding awesome. one handed. It doesn't make any sense. I have no idea how he does it. <laughs> That's he, so cool. he literally hit like a hundred foot table one handed. I was like, oh my gosh. Balanced. But anyway, so this is where it gets cool, right? So there's, uh, you know, for people who don't keep up with dirt bikes is probably is nothing to you but there's a company called verb moto verb moto is the mecca of good dirt bike videos in the world okay and he's buddies with the two guys yeah. and i mean these guys make all the motocross videos for red bull they make and they have their own verb moto thing that they just started back up um and all this stuff and he's like i'll put you in contact with them and that's all I've ever wanted. So, you <laughs> yeah. know, now now we're now we're making moves, you know. And where the story gets really cool is, you know, this I have I have no shame in saying that this was a free project. 
Yeah, um, not with somebody it, of that caliber. Yeah, exactly. All expenses paid, but free project because yep. I wanted that my works. foot in the door. Right. Now I start talking to him and I knew that he, um, this past weekend was coming up to do some more schools, um, up, up in Vermont. And I was like, Hey, I would, I'm looking at all this footage. I'd love to get an interview with you, um, to help out the, the narrative and all this stuff. Would I have a studio in Vermont and I know you're coming up here this weekend. And anyway, he comes and he shows up at the house on, on Friday. And he's like, can I stay here? Wait, <laughs> and, I was, and I was like, well, sure. So he stayed here for like four days. Um, so we... Dude, that's wild. No, it was completely wild. I brought him around Burlington yeah. and like showed him Burlington. That's he just so stayed in my guest cool. room. Um, we watched super. We watched the Supercross race together and like... I, oh my gosh, it was awesome. He's such a dope dude. <laughs> but now we have this awesome relationship. Now you have chemistry that goes beyond right, just right, DM that right, you, right. Yeah. Exactly. So now we now we have this awesome relationship where wow. um, he posted one of the videos and all of his sponsors started following me. Oh, um, what? He he Ew. he's sponsored by Lululemon, just so you know, which is <laughs> awesome for me. But SGB Racing is a suspension company that that started Your following me and stuff there. like that, and I'm very excited. I'm I'm ecstatic because. So let me predict here uh-huh. on this on this episode, <laughs> June a year and a half from now, Cam Bushy of Six Five Films <laughs> will be the motocross videographer. In America, that would be a stretch. Who's but your it would competitor? Uh, the two guys that he's hopefully going to put me in <laughs> two contact. Two guys with. that he's putting you in contact <laughs> with, which will be a collaborator. Right. Yeah. And boom. Yeah, I mean they're awesome. I I've been following them for years because they're the guys. You know, yeah, I I want to bring up a couple of points to that story. Verb Moto. I heard about them five, six, eight years ago. Yeah, they've been around. Forever. I mean, back when you were riding a little bike. Yeah, we'll put it that yep. way. They used to do a, a video competition, a editing contest. Yeah, they'd send you footage. Yep. You I edit it twice. and then submit it. Yeah. So you did that. So that was yep. kind of cool. Did that a couple times. Um, and then secondly, like you and I just get together to talk business and, and personal finance and like, you know, goals because we're friends of that caliber. And it was probably a year ago at this point. Oh, yeah. And, and we were sitting down on my deck and, and talking about goals. You know, where do you want to be? Kind of like you said, your pipe dream. You know, when you close your eyes, what, what is that bar that I want to be on the Today Show or wherever in New York where millions of people can see me? One thing that you said, Cam, was... I want to be at Red Bull quality. Like I want to be right. shooting videos either for or with like Red Bull or like for Kawasaki. Like that yeah, is those are the your caliber. Yeah. You're that's a big that's a big move forward. To He's also sponsored goals, by Kawasaki. Oh, yeah. Did I mention that? <laughs> he rides a Kawasaki. So is some good experiences to say yes. Yeah, and he's such a good dude. He's such a good dude. I'm so happy to be working with him. And Amazing, man. but with that, okay, so the so here's the rest of the story. Um I did that for free. I don't shoot weddings. <laughs> but he's like, hey, you want to come shoot my wedding? And I was like, <laughs> I was like, of course. Yeah. yeah, I'll shoot your wedding. And he's like, while you're down there, I'll pay you and we'll make some we'll make some more riding footage. I want a new intro to all my yeah. YouTube videos. And I was like, You deal. become his boy. Deal. Yeah. And I was like, deal. He's gonna hook you up with, with these guys. Right. So yeah. and you know very similar story to what I, I shared earlier with exactly. my trade show, yeah. you know, yep. thing. Agree to one and go make three. That's that's what I went for this time. You know, agree to one video, make three. Yeah. And um, 
And oh my gosh, his response to watching was was hilarious. I actually had the opportunity since he was here. We watched two of them together, and yeah. I filmed his reaction. It was uh, awesome. Oh, that's sick. like it was it was totally epic awesome. YouTube content. I, I'm stoked on those projects too. So, I mean, all that comes down to. Um, Joe promised me that when I started working for Red Bull, he'd make me free graphics. So I, <laughs> that day, you know why? Because it's all about who you know. It's all about who and you the know. Connections. So when you know somebody at Red Bull and you're going to connect me over yeah, there, yes, exactly. I'm going to do that free gig because then they're my connections. Yeah, you know? exactly. Yeah, That'd exactly. be awesome. So hey, who knows? I mean, that would be such a blessing if we could get to that point. But that's what we're chasing, and and. Man, I'm just so blessed to be able to do something like that. I mean, these, these, those are my two favorite worlds colliding, you know, Um, and it's just, it's just awesome. Hey, you never know who's listening to this. If, you know, somebody is at ESPN, somebody, somebody who knows somebody who knows somebody. Right. Exactly. There's some interest around here. You don't want to work for ESPN. (laughs) (laughs) Been there, done that. They tried to get me in and no, it was terrible. Good to know. 26 bucks an hour. Oh, it was bad. It was bad. And they make you move to Bristol, Connecticut. Why Bristol, Connecticut? Oh gosh, no, <laughs> no. Why would you have to? No, we want to live here and work. Yeah, yeah exactly, yeah. exactly. And so that's where I love to travel. So you mentioned a couple of companies, um, but actually, before I get into that, I'll just say, uh, six months ago, the cam that I was talking to <laughs> mm-hmm. said, "I'll take any work." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to, you know, I just want to, you know, take anything that I can get at this point. But now, six months later, you've chosen your niche. Mm-hmm. And you've committed to it, and then you you put yourself out there, and you went all in, and and now you need to burn your bridges. <laughs> Wait, <laughs> this, what do you mean? Now you need to say this is who Six Five Films is. Oh, wow. This is what you do, and it makes a lot of sense from your that's trajectory bold. of where you've been. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, but then that's that's the next step forward in becoming the go-to video guy for this industry. And I, th- I think that you're well on your way to doing that, but now you need to burn your bridges. You don't do weddings unless they're, unless they're motocross related. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> you don't do this project over for this nonprofit or this thing. It, like, unless it's your own philanthropy work or individual thing, your company is for this and be known for that. For focus. Yeah. yeah. Go all in. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, Verb Moto is going to look at your page and be like, well, is he shooting yeah, he's motocross shooting or worship videos? Yeah, like, yeah what's right. this? Take yeah. it down. <laughs> well, again, I mean, I, ministry is definitely where my heart's at as well, you know, and I I, I don't think that'll ever go away. Mm-hmm. Um, however, but yeah, I, I, that's, that's the path. And I, it would be an absolute dream come true um, for all that to work out. And, and what's cool, honestly... The reason I make vlogs on YouTube, as stupid and silly as they may be, and they're supposed to be stupid and silly. I enjoy them. I appreciate that. <laughs> I'm glad you watch them. Um, there's a BTS vlog of the, this whole trip that we just talked about, by the way. I got to watch it. It, it, it isn't out yet. Including his reactions? Yeah. Um, it isn't out yet. He even rode my ramp in the backyard. <laughs> it was hilarious. <laughs> Um, he was actually pretty good on a scooter, too. I couldn't believe it. Um, we played Scoot, and he got a letter on me. So, um, But what I love about this this podcast included, but also making videos um, just for myself is you kind of just keep a log of your life, mm. you know, and you get to look back on it and all this stuff where you and I can look back six months ago saying, I need anything, even if it's $50, you know, um, to here now. And I think uh, I love that. I love that we get to do this stuff. So yeah, who I, knows? We'll check in in six months and see where we're at. Right. The other thing I wanted to say is that you mentioned two companies that you really would, would kill to work with. 
I was at that phase um, with National Geographic was one of mine. Um, and it's the most random thing. Um, but I was actually partnered with a motion graphic designer who had worked with them for five years. And I could have had that connection if I wanted it. But he talked to me about what it's like to work for that company. Completely different than what yeah. I had imagined. Hmm. And so that company went from top of my list to bottom of my list hmm. after having one conversation with one other senior designer. So <clears throat> I would just say, don't be in love with the logo. Hmm. Be in love with the the dream. Yeah. And, and let it evolve over time. Sure. I would yeah, have never thought that I was working going to work on the History Channel and, right. and love it, you know? Yeah. That right. wouldn't have been a logo that I would have like been <laughs> like, yeah, put that on. But Yeah. Why not go bigger? You've done stuff for Disney too, right? So Disney is through the Today Show. Yeah. Um, we did promotions for Marvel movies on the Today Show. So I got to brand the Spider-Man movie and different things. That, so any interview that they do on the set, I'd brand it. I'd be okay with that. <laughs> That's a big logo. Your website logos are hilarious. Yeah. I mean, they're just crazy. Yeah. I mean, you have Disney A&E History Channel. I mean, they're all <laughs> they're all separated, which I totally understand. I tried to do that, and it's like these, it's hilarious. Um, uh, I, the, my, when I first left my first job, I did Comcast, NBC, Today Show, NBC News, and yeah. then I started listing like shows on the Today Show as the separate logos. <laughs> Because they're all the same. They're all different logos, but they're all the same company. (laughs) That's awesome. I love it. Hey, that's what you got to do sometimes. You know, people don't know that. I didn't know that A&E and Today Show were connected at all (laughs) until just now. So So there was two things, two key points that you wanted to talk about. Um, So I just wanted to ask you, how do you deal with haters and how how has that affected your career? And then uh, charisma is another thing you mentioned to bring up. Yeah. So... I look back at um, when I first entered NBC uh, as a junior designer, fresh out of college, um, where at college we had a lot of support. Everybody around was just collaborative and, you know, critiquing, but it's a friendly environment. Um, when you get into the, the meat of what is the industry, you realize really fast that it's, it's a little bit of every man for himself or every woman for herself. And, uh, people start to compete for different positions, different projects. And if you don't put your, you know, put your best foot forward and, and sort of take an alpha stance in different things, you're going to get run over really fast in New York city. That's just the way it is. Um, and, and I don't think any New Yorker would tell you differently. Um, so one of the things that I learned very fast was if you're ever going to do anything good and make a difference or be known for anything, you're going to have haters. And as somebody who, you know, struggled with insecurity so much that I had to go spend $200,000 for a certificate <laughs> saying I proved something, yeah. uh, moving into an environment that I would consider now having several, had several professional jobs, I would consider the Today Show uh, art team as a toxic environment. The managers there were toxic. There was gossip. Somebody would leave the desk uh, to go to the bathroom and then openly people would talk about them. Hmm. That's how toxic. I thought that was normal. And then I went to A&E and it was like, wow, that is, this is what a, a work should be like. <laughs> hmm. <laughs> like that was not normal. Um, but I had this one guy who, who was my friend from college who actually was one of the reasons that I decided to take the NBC job because he told me that I could do it and whatever. So from a distance, he was my friend, a supporter. When as soon as I got there and I was like that fresh meat, um, he started to challenge everything and talk trash about me. Um, and I was a good designer. I wasn't a great designer. It was my first year in the industry. 
but I was good. Um, and he would pick apart everything I did and talk trash about it. And he wasn't even on my shift. <laughs> he was on the next shift. And so I would hear from other people that he was saying all this stuff about me. And then I would call him out on it and he'd deny it and, and whatever. He started so much gossip in, in, about me. And, and at the time I just thought that, you know, maybe, maybe there was a threat, like a thread of, of truth to it. And I needed to own my mistakes because he'd always take something that I'd made and then he'd have a valid point about how it could have been better. He never brought it to me though. Mm -hmm. That was the problem. Um, and then he, he, he would say all kinds of crazy things, but not, he couldn't say it to your face. Never. In retrospect, I look at that, and that was my first hater. And I've had a few since. Um, you know, some, I posted my picture with Matt Damon. Somebody commented on it and said, clearly photoshopped. <laughs> and I was like, bitch, I have the live photo. <laughs> but, no, seriously, if you ever do anything awesome, you're going to have haters. And it's okay. Not everybody. People are going to be jealous. People are going to be intimidated by you. People are going to look at you as somebody taking the opportunities that they had before them, which is completely ludicrous, but it, it exists. And so especially in small teams, haters exist, bullies exist. Um, and you need to like, you need to be very confident in who you are as a person besides just your work, which has been something that I've had to learn the hard way where I found all of my identity in my work. And then as soon as that guy challenged my integrity and he challenged my ability to do my work well, I was a nobody because I found all my value and my worth in my work. And so that has since changed. I'm a very confident person uh, in who I am outside of my work. Um, and But that's been evolving over the last five to ten years. So now I can move to someplace like Vermont in the middle of nowhere. It's beautiful. Um, and go to New York City and they say, where you live, where do you work? I'm self-employed in Vermont and I'm okay with saying that, you know, I have a past and sometimes I allude to, Oh, I was working with celebrities and doing all this crazy stuff. Um, and sometimes I'll say I've won two Emmys, <laughs> but most of the time I'm okay with just saying I live in the middle of nowhere, in New York. I'm, and I challenge myself with that because I don't want to find my worth in my awards or my accomplishments. So that's a word on haters. The other thing I wanted to mention that I think would really help newbies, um, sort of freshman level designers or, or people entering really any industry, is that your charisma goes a long way. Uh, and so charisma, I mean, your personality, the way you carry yourself, uh, your energy. Um, and so when I went from, and I also found that when you leave a job and you go to a new job, it's kind of like leaving a city and going to a new city, you can be anyone you want. And so you can reinvent yourself. So at NBC, because of the toxic work environment, I became known as somebody, right? And so people question my integrity sometimes. People question my projects, whatever, especially the older folks that would talk all the time and yip and yap because their jobs were only there because of union. Um, <laughs> and, but people talk and whatever. As soon as I went to A&E Networks, I was now making all that extra money. I was now a senior designer. I wasn't, but I said I was. <laughs> I, I, and I carried myself in a whole different energy and I was a different person. And now I have a, I, I don't have such a good relationship with the guys at NBC Today Show. I have a few people I run into now and then in New York, literally. <laughs> um, producers, friends on Instagram, whatever. 
But I actually ended up blocking a couple of people, toxic people from the team who mm. would even respond to my Instagram stories like, oh, you think you're so fancy in Hawaii or whatever. I'm just like, I don't need you in my life. Leave me alone. <laughs> I'm like, see ya. <laughs> um, and I just get rid of them. And, and it, it, was, it was so, because anybody who has the power over you where you go to post something and you think, oh, I wonder what this person is going to say or think. That person is toxic. It could be a family member, could be a friend, quote unquote, but they're toxic because they have that kind of control over you. So if you have that effect on Instagram, you get to post something. I wonder what this person's going to think. You need to take a break <laughs> <laughs> unless it's in a constructive, good way. And then you want to reach out to them and ask for their feedback. So if Cam were to make a video and come to me and say, hey, can I get your feedback on this or vice versa, which we've both done, mm -hmm. we you know, that is, is like, uh, just feeding off of creative energy and getting a second view. Like that's totally different than double, you know, sort of questioning everything you do before and wondering what those, those haters are going to think before you post it. So block them, get rid of it. And then back to charisma, carry yourself in a way that's super confident and energetic and it will go places. I remember at NBC, I worked there for the first year. I worked my butt off. And I did everything that needed to be done. I mean, from editing cleavage to blurring <laughs> inappropriate places on pictures we had to put up. And not just body parts, but like bloody school scenes. Hmm. We did everything. Um, Kate Upton was in the studio, Hala. Uh, had, <laughs> had to cover her boobage. That was a thing. I was paid way too much money to do that. <laughs> I had to do everything. And after the first year, I was feeling a little bit like unrecognized, like for the amount of work I had put in and whatever. They hired this new guy and his name's Austin. He's actually one of my, one of my good friends now. He was so much energy and, and he was very interested in, in After Effects and learning motion graphics, but he had never done it before. So I taught him a lot of it and, but he was very self-motivated too. But his energy is what got him the gig. I mean, they literally were paying him what they paid me after having done the same job for a year. Um, and he didn't know After Effects at all. Hmm. Um, but his energy and his charisma carried him into the gig. He got to learn the project. And then when we actually both ended up quitting on the same day, <laughs> which wasn't planned, but it was hilarious because our boss was just such a jerk. And she actually ended up being fired for having the worst management uh, title in, in NBC. So that gives you an wow. idea of the environment. <laughs> but um, he, uh, he, you know, I, I look at the way people would talk about him versus the way people would talk about somebody else on the team or myself. And it was just totally different. Everybody liked him. And it was because of the way he carried himself. And, and he engaged differently versus coming from an insecure um, or super serious. So I ended up coming, coming across as super serious, taking my work super seriously and whatever. Hmm. He would just be carefree, you know, the kind of guy you'd want to invite to a party. And that goes a long way. So I decided to be that guy when I went to CBS. And that ended up being the best gig I think I had because I was the energetic, fun guy that everybody loved, would invite me out to lunch. My boss, the first day he hired me, was like, let's go get lunch on me. And then and then constantly asking me out to bars and stuff. Like anytime he went out and, and now when I go back to New York, he's like, bring me some IPA from, from Burlington. And you know, all that. we have a great relationship now. And he called me 
a month ago at like 10 o'clock at night. He's like, dude, we won the Emmys. And like that kind of energy, because that's the, the person that I decided to be at, at work. And I didn't always feel like being that, hmm. but I chose to be that because that I admired that from, from my friend hmm. Austin at NBC, decided to bring that into my new job. So please talk about this. Because uh, when you move to, we're going to get to the move to Vermont and then we're going to start talking about youth and all that stuff. Cool. <laughs> Huge problem in youth right now is anxiety and depression. There are a lot of people who I think want to be in that spot where they're like, I'm going to be, or, or either they want to be the guy who does that and doesn't, and don't know how. Because maybe they're Energetic dealing with, and yeah, 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 yeah. Maybe they're dealing with depression or whatever yeah. because so... I can tell you from my perspective is I grew up shy. Mm-hmm. Like I, 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 I've never gone. Really? Th- oh yeah. I wouldn't have guessed that. Yeah, about you. Okay. So listen to me. <laughs> so, um, cause I have a little bit similar story in that. I, I mean, my, my parents can attest to it. I was the kid like hiding behind my mom's leg, like growing <laughs> up. Right. Super shy, all that stuff. Um, and I never, I never struggled with uh, depression. I struggled with anxiety for years, right? But when, and and that was all through high school. High school, I didn't, I didn't hardly talk to anybody in high school. I mean, I had my select like four, right? Mm-hmm. And and that and that's not me saying, oh, I had no friends. I mean, I just didn't choose to hang out with a lot of people. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I had my my core little group, and then outside of high school. Um, especially when I started picking up stuff at work or or, work at church. Let me, I'll call it church. It's technically work, but it's also church. Uh Um, I started doing video stuff is, is when I decided I'm like, I'm not going to be the shy guy anymore and I'm going to be the, the energetic, you know, because I started to kind of work my way up and be put in leadership roles, Mm -hmm. right? Where very early on, I I started as a camera guy. Thank you, Andy, for inviting me. (laughs) Um, He brought me on to be a camera guy at one of our Easter services. And then I went from there to being asked to start directing. And I was like, this is the ultimate. I mean, this is is the top of the top, (laughs) right? Um, Three cameras live. (laughs) I know. And Andy and I now wish that we were not the only directors (laughs) more than anything. But, um, you know, then... I was asked by our tech director to, to lead the video team. And I was like, I don't even know what that means, but sweet, I'll do it. Um, and now I am the tech director. Right? So um, it, it's, it's one of those things where I decided that I was going to be the energetic leader type. I wasn't going to be a follower anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually decided not to be a follower kind of like halfway through high school. But um, I was like, I'm going to be the leader. I'm going to be the energetic guy. And now... That's kind of becoming who I am a little bit. Yeah, I'm no longer shy at all. I can go. It's like this. This hopefully this doesn't sound cocky in any way. Me talking about myself is that weird? Okay, no, I think uh, it's well, helpful to uh, people. I mean, yeah. Okay, <laughs> just making themselves. sure because I don't want to come off that way. But one of the things that I'm super thankful for, and I think video has taught me this a lot, where I feel like I can walk into a room and talk to anybody. I mean, I can't, I mean, okay, I take that back a little bit. I went to one of those, like, business mixer things. Yeah. I can't survive in that room. <laughs> There's no way. I really hard. And I have no interest in surviving in that room. But I can sit down and do an interview with anybody and talk to them like a friend, you know. And that's, it was definitely something that was learned, but it was something that was decided. Mm-hmm. Do you have any input on that for people who may feel like there's just no way they could ever be that person? Yeah. I was, like I said, I was homeschooled. Uh, 
And so I was kind of like that as well. Mm. So input, I would say, um, pick a role model. And honestly, it could be a YouTube personality. Uh, could be somebody you admire, but we all have those people who are very energetic and, and whatever. And, and then put your own spin on it where be yourself and, uh, and then, but the way that they, their mannerisms that you're attracted to, I, I guess I would say if you're, if you're watching somebody on YouTube, you're watching them for their personality in most cases, because a tutorial could be found in 10 different accounts, but you chose Peter McKinnon because he's got that great, that McKinnon personality where he's going to throw his hat at you and, and he's going to um, spit in the microphone and drop <laughs> things. And that's his personality. And I love it. I was watching one today. Um, and I would say, look at the things that you are attracted to in that personality and see how, see what you can foster in yourself where other people will, will find that attractive about you. Now, I'm not saying copy. So I don't wear like, so for instance, Peter McKinnon might be a good example. If I were going to make vlogs, I wouldn't throw my hat at the camera like Peter does. That's a, that's a Peter signature move. Yeah. But what could I do? Yeah. The, the flip, yeah, exactly. Yeah, the, You've the seen flip it. into the camera. Yeah. <laughs> but what I would do is. I would make my own signature move and then be consistent with it. Something that is, is true to myself. Something that is, is kind of quirky that my friends laugh about me. Maybe it's the way I say mulk. No, that's not real. (laughs) Or it's the way that I, that I drink my coffee or whatever. Maybe it's something I'm obsessed with and, uh, and, and it's quirky and it's, it's authentic. Don't make something up. It's authentic to yourself. So for me, I'm obsessed with coffee. And so if I'm going to make a vlog intro, it's going to have coffee in it. It's going to have me learning how to make latte art that looks like little dicks in a cup. (laughs) (laughs) It's so a theme. Well, you kind of need it as a video I guess so. I mean, well, I say that I don't don't do caffeine, but I am addicted to coffee still. So figure that one out. Just be true to yourself because as soon as you learn and, you know, you're finding the things that you value about yourself. Um, when you look in the mirror and you start to embrace the things that, that make you, you, and then, and the earlier you can do that, the more you can, you can treasure those things. I mean, we all have things that we're insecure about. It could be our voice. It could be our receding hairline, holla, almost 30, (laughs) our, our lack of, uh, income or our current job. Maybe we're working at a gas station, whatever, but you choose every single day, depressed, anxious, whatever, or not, you choose every single room you walk into what level of energy you bring to it and if you're the kind of person who walks into a room and people are excited to see you then that makes all the difference and you choose that every room you walk into when i got here today when i walked in i brought in an aura and whether or not you felt it or not maybe (laughs) maybe (laughs) but with with me i carry that and and sometimes it's not highly energetic and that's my choice that moment but I'm going to leave here. I'm going to go home to my wife and I'm going to bring that back. I'm not going to be tired from our day to day. Like as soon as I walk in, Hey babe. And that, that aura, that energy is going to be chosen. Not because I necessarily feel it. I would say to anybody who's a teenager, especially you are the most insecure person in the world and it's okay. Everybody who's under 25, I'm saying 25 because that's when I stopped caring so much. <laughs> um, and maybe it's a little different for everybody. But under 25, your, your brain hasn't even fully developed yet. And you're more insecure about your body and the way that you do things and your lack of confidence in, in your achievements and whatever. Give yourself a break. You're not even a fully grown adult yet. 
you know, and, and have fun with that. It, so I have a friend, I'm not going to say his name because I don't want to embarrass him. He has a lisp <laughs> and he has embraced it instead of being insecure by it. And he is one of the most fun people that I hang out with in, in Vermont because he is truly himself and he owns it and, and girls think it's adorable. <laughs> <laughs> and so he owns it. And so I would say if you own it, you have a, uh, have a silly flaw, you have silly personality, whatever. If you own it and you're confident with that, people are going to embrace that energy. Yeah, I think it's important for people to just know that it's possible. You know, it's like, I think to, a lot to, of people change your, yeah, your pe personality. Yeah, yeah. I think people get stuck in the rut of like, like I remember is something, you know, that you know, younger people, I guess can relate to is I remember going from middle school to high school mm -hmm. is for some reason, when you're an eighth grader, you're like, I can be anybody in high school. Right. Like yeah, seriously, it's everybody's like the switching companies thing. It's, yeah, it's, exactly. It's a new opportunity. It's just like that. And, and two, <laughs> actually freshman year is when I started wearing glasses in public. Because I needed them real bad <laughs> in middle school, but I just decided not to be able to see this chalkboard because um, I thought I looked stupid. But the whole thing is like, it's possible to do that sort of thing. Yep. It is totally possible. It is a choice that you got to make. It is, um, you don't have to sit there sad yeah. that you wish you were somebody else. Right. And and that that's a whole nother conversation, but you can change. Anyway, yeah. you leave New York City and you move to Vermont. I did. Why? Um, my wife and I had decided that, um, although it had been our dream to have the city life for a while, um, she was, uh, she just finished her master's degree at Columbia and she, um, she was entering a new stage of life where she would become a counselor. And I had decided that at this stage of my life, I was focused more on the type of story that I was sharing not so much the job that I was in. And I was confident after five years in New York City at the biggest logos and the biggest opportunities. I, I felt like I had done 40 years of a career in five. <laughs> and I know I hadn't. I, didn't have, I haven't had that kind of experience, and I don't hold that up. At the same time, I could go down, I could go to any place that I want to work now, and I could work. I could work at Amazon. I could work at Apple. I, I just know that I could. Plus, I know people at those companies because <laughs> of all my connections in the last five years. That helps. So... You know, I, I have that kind of level of confidence. So I look at this like, well, we moved to Vermont and um, we, we exit the city life. We just have this big change of pace um, and we can start both doing what we love and feel called to do. So that's essentially what it is. Now, Burlington was never a place that I thought of ever. <laughs> um, I had visited here once. And, uh, and I'd never, I mean, it was a pretty city when I, when I came then, I'd never thought to move here. It was because of a guy named Chili Chilton who had been a spiritual mentor in, in my past, uh, because he moved here, um, to do some youth work. I, uh, I was like, well, maybe, maybe it would be cool to, I mean, to go there. So it, it sort of came up on our radar because of him and Savannah was applying to jobs. Now she is the most qualified person She's way smarter than I am, and that's a low bar, but <laughs> she's super smart, and uh, she's overqualified. She applied to work in, like, 10 different places, 10 different states, and, um, and she got rejected or never heard back from every single one of them except three job offers here in Ver Burlington, Vermont, without even having been here. Hmm. It was just a, a sign to us. We're, we're you know, um, we, 
we have Christian values and, and we believe that God directs our steps, so to, so to speak, and, and, and can really influence our decisions and because of our faith. So, uh, we looked at that as a, a clear sign <laughs> that, you know, not just, well, go where the work is, but also that we were going to be fine. You know, that this was sort of like, uh, our path was sort of being laid out in front of us. Um, and so we moved here and it's, uh, and she had, you know, the job of her dreams, uh, right off. And so exciting opportunities for her. And, uh, and recently she started doing private practice as well. I project that hmm. a year or two from now, she'll be full-time private practice, hmm. have her own spot. She'll be a doctor, <laughs> you know, like get her doctorate because she's that smart and that ambitious, you know? And eventually we're looking to buy land and have a couple of kids and have a view like this, maybe. Who knows? <laughs> uh, this house is for sale. <laughs> um, yeah, that's so cool. Yeah. Now, tell me about what you're doing now. What, well, let's start with Verily Say. When did that come about? Did that come about when you moved here? Or right before? before I moved here. Um, so while I was at CBS, I was I had heard... I. Um, the Entrepreneur on Fire podcast with Johnny Lee Dumas. Uh, he had been a mentor to me through podcasting. And I, I think that's a real thing. And that's why I'm on here. That's why you guys do what you do. Because you, you don't just do it because it's an outlet for you to You know that somebody could potentially get something from this. Um, and, and I did from his podcast so much that I learned I need to make my own business while I'm fully employed to take down, take out the downside. <clears throat> so while I was at CBS, I created Verily Say and, um, and I didn't really know what it was going to be yet, except I wanted to focus on work that made a difference. And so Verily Say was, uh, motion graphics and video communication, visual communications company, um, based out of New York when, when I started. And, and yet I was, I had a UPS address in Midtown. Um, and that was my HQ. <laughs> it was a post office box that looked like an official building in New York so that any <laughs> clients outside of New York would, would, uh, you know, look on my website and it would have that suite in New York city. That was really just a box, <laughs> uh, tips like that. I got from his podcast, like how to sort of fake it till you make it. And, hmm. uh, I was working full time at CBS. Um, and I had a lot of downtime, a lot of jobs like A and E networks. You would be so surprised how much free time you have when you're getting paid that much money to sit there and fill a seat. <laughs> and then the overtime, they hand out like candy, $400, <laughs> $400, $400, uh, I'm saying $400 because it's time and a half. And so, and they extend you for four hours and they hand it out for like candy to yeah. everybody all the time. And you're just sitting there for nothing, like nothing to do. So instead of watching Netflix, I'm building my business and I built my website. Uh, yeah. I built my products. I was already building relationships through email and through LinkedIn, literally cold emailing, um, people on LinkedIn who, who were like social media managers and things like that and trying to build relationship saying like, if I, or I didn't say if, I said, when I grow my business to this level, I'm going to need to rapidly expand. Can I count on you to be a freelance social media manager for me? Found somebody to do that, go on to the next thing. So I have a small team of freelancers. And by the time um, I moved here, I had a photographer in New York, two videographers in New York, um, a videographer in Texas, a videographer in LA, um, a, an advertising guy in Singapore, 
Um, and then local talent like Cam for videography. Um, and all of them were just freelancers. So I hire them on, on a per project kind of basis. And I had a copywriter in, in uh, Las Vegas. And so depending on the, the project, and I also had a fake assistant <laughs> for the beginning. Jasmine's real. <laughs> Carissa, I don't know if you ever dealt with Carissa. Carissa's real too. She's my sister. But, uh, <laughs> but I actually ended up like logging in as her email more times than she did. Uh, so, so I would respond. Here's a here's a pro tip. Yeah, you actually gave me this tip. Here's a pro tip. In any, especially as a content creator, if you're looking to become an, an influencer or anything like that, you need a manager to reach out on your behalf so you don't look desperate. <laughs> so as a content creator, it's and this has completely been a hobby slash experiment the last few years. I've gone to 16, 17 different countries. Anywhere I go, I can stay in a hotel for free. I can um, have free food, I have free VIP experiences, whatever. Because I have, I mean, eighteen thousand followers on Instagram, and that was a that's another conversation to have. Mm-hmm. It's like how did how did I built that up and whatever. But uh, it's that. But also, it's because I have my quote unquote manager reach out to these hotels on my behalf and say, Joe Lord, who has this amount of following, who has had his work seen by millions of people on NBC, who's done work with Disney and blah blah blah, just. This, this elevator kind of pitch email template, copy, paste, copy, paste, copy, paste, send it to 10 different hotels in Paris. Three of them get back. I get my choice. Stay there for a week for free. All of that to say managers can, uh, you fake it till you make it with, with that. Because if you have um, the, a bad client experience, which I have had, a contract that was entered into, um, $4,000 a month contract. Um, it went, it went south. I don't want to say the name of it. It's, it's like a legal thing now. Um, it went south because, uh, they didn't know what they wanted until three months into it. And they, then they knew what they didn't want. It wasn't part of the contract. They didn't want to pay me more money and I wasn't going to change. It was a bad relationship towards the end. It was toxic and, uh, it was this close to going to court. Um, but my manager was handling all of that. Yikes. I just knocked over my water. <laughs> um, my manager was handling all of that, but it was really me in a different email suite. And it helped um, keep the tension really low with my personal engagement with the client when we would go out to coffee in New York, try to work something out, or I would jump on the phone call. Because the tough conversations are being had with the manager, and it's sort of a, a person in between. That's uh, really still you. But. That's really still you. <laughs> yeah. But it's a buffer, and it really works. I think that's It works awesome. in negotiating contracts. It works in getting free gigs as an influencer or promoting yourself. It would work uh, for your friend who's the motocross guy. If he had had that to correspond with you, you still would have showed up in Virginia had his quote-unquote manager orchestrate it instead of him. Yeah. And in fact, if he was looking for a lot more people like you to make content for him, his quote unquote manager could be reaching out to all these content creators on Instagram to do quote unquote free work for his brand, mm. but it's really him. I'm not going to let him listen to this now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Has yeah. that ever backfired? I mean, you're, te- you're basically telling white lies. Like what's when somebody says so they want to speak to their manager and, uh, Right. Well, <laughs> uh, hello. In his case, she's real. Uh, she is hey, real. Sis, can you? Yeah. Uh, here's yeah. a backstory. <laughs> um, so I didn't fake it for very long, but when I first started my company, I needed that extra buffer. Um, 
And I've always been like that with my with my emails. It's a really weird fact about me. I have more emails than than anybody in the world. I'm, I promise. I have an email, Joe Lord Social at Gmail for all my social accounts. Uh, Joe Lord bills for every single bill. Joe Lord spam for everything that <laughs> made me check that stupid box that said required email. Uh, Joe Lord blah 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 photos whatever. And every single email is a different category of my life. And so on my phone, I can turn it off if I'm not yeah. doing that category. I don't have 11,000 emails on red. Quick, you know, it, it's it's like something that I've used personally in my life. Um, and But as far as having a manager, like a fake quote-unquote person, it's still me. It's still like, it's just a different name. And what you're doing is you're giving a perception of something larger than yourself. And so when you jump on a phone with somebody, you can say, yeah, it's, it's me over here, Joe. How's it going? Uh, looking for $10,000 for this uh, video project. And they think I could hire a freelancer for $300 to go do that. The mindset, the mm. perception of your individual self is less than if there was a perception of a greater company. And so Joe Lord of Verily Say, creative director, sounds much more official in an email asking for $12,000. And honestly, it is more official um, because that's, you know, I may be do I may be Joe Lord of Verily Say also secretary sometimes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But uh, it, those are individual roles that I've built to be scaled out. And then within six months, I had somebody doing all my, Jasmine took over all of my office uh, virtual assistant stuff. And Chris's, Chris's account no longer exists. Um, but I also learned as a freelancer or I'm sorry, as a, as in a, a, an entrepreneur, I learned that uh, I can't be everything um, all of the time, and I'm going to need people for these different positions. And so I figured out, A, office assistant, highest priority, because <laughs> that was the email that ended up needing a lot more engagement. Um, then salespeople, not so much. It's all about who you know, you know? And so then I would represent myself if I'm trying to build relationships. And so on, yeah. So hmm. has it backfired? No, I'd actually saved my, my ass once. <laughs> Carissa, Carissa got the bad rep, and and uh, I was able to come in and save the day. <laughs> I love it. That's uh, see, normal people don't think like you, and I think it's awesome. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know who the would, job description. I'm, I'm hiring, an, hiring would, an admin. I would Can never. you please write that up? I'll just quote you. Normal people don't think like you. <laughs> yeah, there you go. I never would have come up with this. Um, what's the story behind the two Emmys? Uh, accidental? Because <laughs> <laughs> you just text. I Actually, you didn't even tell me. Um, one of our mutual friends was like, did you hear Joe got like two Emmys? I was like, what are you talking about? <laughs> crazy. This was recent. It was, yeah. So 2019, my last month at, at CBS um, was in December, I think. And, um, and then, yeah, they were just motion graphic projects that I worked on. Um, and... It's funny because one of them was a nonprofit that uh, that was working with CBS, and nobody on the team, design team, wanted to take it on, and uh, for whatever reason, and it was Tunnels to Tower, the Stephen um, Stephen something uh, <laughs> last names again, uh, the Stephen something Foundation um, in New York. Really cool nonprofit story, and and that's my passion anyway. Nonprofits stories that matter, so I took it on. And uh, it ended up winning the um, the best in show for branding campaign in 
uh, on the New York uh, Emmy division. So that was one. And then the second one was... um, the, it was a it was a mini series, um, motion graphic series that I'm actually pretty proud of. is is a fun one. Uh, my boss came to me at CBS and said, "We're thinking about doing like highlighting these different areas of the city, um, and having like a narrator talk about like what was what was good there a hundred years ago, what's good there now, what it's known for, the culture, all of this stuff." And he didn't really know what he wanted, and he said, why don't you play around with it? And so I made this um, really fun infographic, and uh, I showed it to him. He's like, I didn't even know that's what I wanted, but that's what I want. (laughs) So he got this really cool voice talent to do it, and then we did it for like five different areas around New York. Um, And it was, it won best, best social campaign. Um, actually tied with something um, I think VHS did. Uh, so we tied for, and we both won. Our both our teams won that. So it's pretty cool. Yeah, that's freaking cool. Uh, you don't need Red Bull on your resume <laughs> if you got two Emmys. Oh my gosh! That's, uh, you that's know, crazy. I've as a Christian, I, I also looked at that moment and and I said, um, I came here to Vermont out of a calling, and I left my career in New York. Uh, you know, and, and, and against better judgment, against what most people would say I should have done, um, following after what I felt like I really needed to do. And then six months, eight months later, uh, I get a phone call and, and saying that I won two Emmys. It was almost like God just saying, I got you. Whether you're in New York or not, a year later, you randomly find out you, you won two Emmys. That last project you were working yeah, on that yeah. was passion-driven. Exactly, yeah. It's and crazy. It's just like God patting me on the back saying, yo, like, I got you. <laughs> and, you know, you keep walking in, in what I'm calling you to do, and it's going to work out. And, that again, that recognition, I've never won a trophy in my life other than, like, memorizing <laughs> Bible verses. You know? <laughs> I was never athletic in school. Yeah. I never won trophies. And, and having to go to college for that affirmation. And so Emmys? Like, are you kidding? Like, yeah. God's like, yo, I got that affirmation. affirmation. You know, I, In our industry, I mean, what else... I mean, what else is there? What's the, what's the highest you can be, you know? Uh, that's pretty high. Yeah, that's incredible, dude. Yeah. That, I, that's so cool. So, I introduced myself with my my right now as a two-time award-winning Emmy yeah, visual yeah. designer, Joe Lord. My rate just doubled. You, you, you took the Matt, and the Matt Damon picture off the website, replaced it with a picture of you and an Emmy. Exactly. Still waiting on those in the mail, but yeah. <laughs> there so will awesome. be photos. That's so awesome. Well, dude, um, we talked about Verily Say. Verily say is kind of coming to an end. So it's dissolving into uh, Revolution Youth. So for the last year, I've been coinciding these two organizations. Uh, I became the director of Revolution Youth last year this time, um, which is a nonprofit centered around youth in New England. Um, and my, my full-time job was Verily Say, and I'd be doing all these video work and everything. And what I decided recently was that I can't let my focus be split if I'm going to make the biggest difference that I can. Um, and so by putting everything under the same umbrella, uh, it's going to help really, like it has dramatically helped the last few weeks in, in just focusing my attention. So obviously it shows the nonprofit inv- umbrella for obvious financial reasons. So now <laughs> we can you know, have massive uh, tax benefits in, in not having to, um, to, you know, having a 501c3, not having to have all the taxes. Um, and so with the Revolution Youth, we now have a subsidiary doing business as, and we've called it the Almost Agency, A-L-M-S-T, so almost. 
And so now we take on projects, um, you know, social impact and nonprofit are, have been my primary client with Verily Say and still going forward, they will be the primary client and, uh, visual communication, videography, but super high end stuff because otherwise we got better things to do, you know? <laughs> so high end projects that, that, you know, we get four, four $30,000 projects a year or something like that. I'm going to be really happy. It'll pay out like Rev hasn't made any money in a long time. I don't think Rev has, was really built to make money. Um, right. You know, it's a 501c3, so some people donate to it. Um, but with almost as uh, a money maker inside of this, it's it's able to, it'll eventually be able to actually employ me, which I haven't taken like a salary or anything from Rev since I started. But now as I begin to make money through it, the organization, I can then give all of my time and attention to this uh, and hire out. Like people like you, Cam. Beautiful. Actually, pay you out. Yeah, right. <laughs> Little people like you. Yeah. <laughs> um, I meant talented people. Like you. <laughs> uh, and evolve. So evolve is one of our programs. Um, evolve is uh, is a creative community of students in New England, um, and the goal is to find and sort of gather talented students in New England in different areas. So video, photo, music, you name it. Um, and ways that kids want to grow and expand um, their their reach with the different works that they make, um, we can now do that. So my idea is to create this community where kids can then submit work. You know, when, when you were 15, playing around with video cameras, whatever, we had like nobody to really critique that, nobody to help us get better. And so what Evolve is doing is it's providing professional coaches like Cam, like myself, like I've, I guess I didn't know you before this, Andrew, but so maybe you want to become an Evolve coach. Um, but professional people who get paid for what they do at like that professional level. Um, and then they can go back to these students who's, who are making these home videos and stuff, and they can help them get better. And then we give them incentives to keep going. And we help them believe in themselves and their dreams to be able to achieve it. So is it a Christian organization? Yes. Revolution Youth is a Christian organization. Evolve is not a strictly Christian mm -hmm. program. And so we're, we've made it very neutral. We, we say faith, uh, faith safe. So meaning we're, we're, yes, we're fundamentally a Christian organization. However, we're going to welcome everybody to be a part of this. And it's not a, Evolve is not strictly like a religious thing. So you would jump into a video call. We're not going to be saying, praise the Lord. <laughs> you know, this is something you could take to a school gym and say, you know, we have uh, Evolve, you know, after school programs. This is something that we can start a camp, a creative camp next year. We already got lined up for 2021, where we'll be doing workshops throughout the week for video and photos and having influencers come in for a day and teach on traveling content creation and all of that record all of that content make it available to all those students and, and new england is our primary focus that's where the ad dollars are going but it's also for the greater community so who are you crushing on instagram who's your biggest influencers who's your biggest mentors mm, that's uh, instagram or or otherwise you know okay. who, who are you looking up towards emmett sparling my man never heard of him no who's that <laughs> Sorry, Emmett. Uh, Emmett really. is one of the most talented photographers I've ever seen. Um, hmm. And I bought, I basically, I have a few people in my life that I, or I look at as influencers and um, influential forces in my life, not just influencers like, oh, they have a lot of followers, um, but influential creators. Um, 
I would say Emmett Sparling, I would buy anything that he puts out. He put out some presets, bought those, never use them, but they're, they're just <laughs> supporting the, the um, Garrett Garrett King is uh, short stash on Instagram. Um, and I've actually had the privilege of becoming his friend. Um, we've gone to a lot of events together and, uh, he's a really solid creator, very, very different aesthetic. Um, half a million followers. I mean, crazy, uh, super talented guy. And he just put out, um, a course slash base set is what he calls them. Um, sold it for like 150 bucks, bought it, <laughs> you know, <laughs> you have a few people who you really look up to and, and admire the heck out of, and you just buy everything that they put out. You're, you're part of their true fan network, you know? So I would say those guys, um, being able to just capture, I'm really big into photography lately, which is kind of, I, I, I didn't <laughs> embrace it for so long. I was like, I, I didn't call myself a photographer for, for like a year after I had my DSLR. Uh, and it wasn't about the, the equipment for me. Like I, I raised my first 10,000 followers on Instagram just with my iPhone photography. Uh, and, and really the fun, the foundations of design are, are, are cross medium. So with the principle of composition and, and, uh, you know, synchrony and, and all of these different, uh, foundations of art you can apply them into video you can apply them into graphic design you can apply them into photography so i could really enjoy any kind of art knowing the principles of design um and yeah so i've i dabbled in photography and and i started to embrace it lately more <laughs> so than ever i really love that it's just a moment in time captured it's so unique it's not it's not a video that, uh, like, I love to make videos too, but, but photography, there's just something about being able to print it out, put it on your wall, and it's a literal moment snapped in time that, that you put all that effort and in, in story into, but it's open for interpretation. Videos aren't usually open for interpretation. You make them, you tell a story, you lead the viewer through that narrative, and, and you get them where you want them, which is great. But it's also, uh, there's something abstract in the unknown and beautiful in the in the simplicity of a photograph Hmm. now we're sounding artsy (laughs) where can people find you uh at joe lord j-o-l-o-r-d on instagram um or reach out to me an email joe at revyouth.com sweet dude thank you so much for doing this dude this was awesome it was a lot of fun this is our longest one by far yeah yeah um what a blast, man. Cool. Love to hear. I'm, I'm so glad I, I've been able to hear the full story now. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Thanks, guys, for having me on. I really appreciate it. I did. Pleasure to meet you. Thanks. Yeah, you too. Peace out.